Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 74. John, how are you doing on this Tuesday evening? I feel fantastic. We're back at it. Little hiatus. House damn near burnt down. Everybody's doing about as good as they can do. I feel great. I'm sure you're feeling decent, right? How about you, man? Better than the last time we recorded this episode the first time. (laughs) (laughs) You want to catch up on what happened there? Yeah, so uh, we are recording this episode a second time. We did record this uh, last week, um, and it was kind of a blessing in disguise. The recording didn't pick up. There was audio problems with the recording, but I was kind of glad because we were pretty uh, negative during that recording on our homecoming uh, review that we did. And um, it was kind of nice, though, because after going back and kind of rewatching everything, able to take a kind of a backseat and watch stuff through different set of eyes uh i am a lot less angry still have uh some questions and concerns on some of the booking but a lot less angrier this time than i was last time well i'll just go ahead and kick off here real quick we have 38 matches to review everyone so (laughs) we're gonna go ahead sit down get ready this is not going to be the detail oriented kind of review that you will hear out of us just letting you know ahead of time, but we wanted to get through these and give each of them at least a little chunk of respect. So we have the homecoming weekend. This is coming from the showboat and the terminal looks about as good as it's going to look It's decorated with the banners of the participants. I did like it a lot. It opened with a beautiful metallic GCW that was spinning. I love it. Lots of fans in the place. And I think that's where we'll go ahead and start kicking off them matches, brother. Anything you got to say before we jump? No, so just a quick, uh, we're covering homecoming night one, night two. (laughs) Uh, We're covering, no, it's all right. GCW's um, Say You Will and Crushed Up. And then in between, we will mix in a little of the JCW show that happened over the week as well. Um, Like John said, this is going to be a shorter, more compact version. We're just going to kind of quickly do a quick rundown because we are behind. We do want to catch up. Um, And we did have some thoughts on this show, and we'll still convey those thoughts a little bit better this time, hopefully on this recording. But we are going to catch up and discuss about what's coming up here because they're busy schedule and we fell behind and this is what happens falling behind we're 38 matches <laughs> to catch up on yeah and that's without the jcw so we cut the jcw out that's 38 just and effie's shows you know yeah oh oh geez i feel terrible too effie is so kind to our podcast I, i'll be actually i didn't even have time to rewatch it i started watching uh started watching it a little bit last night so i'm actually good i'm gonna go back and rewatch it fully uh here in the next couple of days all right so you ready to rock and roll Let's do it. All right, GCW Homecoming Night One from the showboat in Atlantic City, as John said, from the terminal with all the banners hanging up. And to, I would say, both of our surprise, we were shocked as the tag team deathmatch of Maki Death Kill versus the Deathmatch Busters and Deathmatch Royalty of Cardona and opened up Homecoming Weekend. So. The Ghostbusters theme hit, out came the Ecto-1. I'm a fan. We're around that same age where the Ghostbusters came out, and fantastic. Cardona and Steph Delander step out of the car. That was probably one of the coolest GCW moments in history. Uh, GPW, GoPro, captured all of it flawlessly. Great job on that. Our winner here was Maki Death Kill. The main event, in my mind, went on first, in my opinion, 
But this, the, I mean, the reason why is because the match had everything, star power, name recognition, fresh creative, new outfits, extensive props, like the whole nine. So I just wanted to kind of mention that. I was really, I mean, on my side, just I was expecting it to go on later, but it was covered in Patreon that Brett said that this was a decision made by Cardona. He wanted to start the show hot. And um, this, is, this is definitely what they did. They started that show hot. Yeah, and that was my big gripe uh, to start off Homecoming was having what we thought was probably going to be the main event of maybe even both nights, as this is one of the bigger storylines that they've been working and focusing on over the last shows. Uh, I was shocked to see this happening first, and it kind of did take the momentum away from the rest of the card, watching it and kind of took my excitement away. That's kind of what led it led me, I think, to having a little not-so-bad experience watching Homecoming as I uh, intended to, but the action was incredible. The the story that they told during the match was perfect from Cardone and Steph and perfect for Nick Gage and Maki. And I loved it. I like this could have been the last thing I saw Homecoming Weekend, and I would have been leaving Homecoming Weekend with a smile on my face because it was oh, yeah. a very entertaining show, everything that we expected from that match. And as you said, started off the main event of the weekend with a banger. So it, it did uh, open it up in a different way than uh, I originally thought. That will lead us into that next match, which was Leon Slater versus Alec Price. Probably one of the bigger matchups I was looking forward to the whole weekend. And uh, even though it seemed like Alec got a little injury early on in the match, uh, played played it off pretty well. And actually, the ever after that injury in the match, the match kind of took off and became crazy. Really, really good after the injury, I thought. And um, this did leave, live up to the hype, even though uh, the injury kind of did scare me there for a little bit. Yeah, I just kind of felt bad that Leon and Alec had to follow after the Ecto that one. Too. But they both looked great. The match was just a showcase of both of them just being high-flying talents. We had one current champion in the ring. We had one future champion in the ring. And there was a ton of action in 10 minutes. So... You know what? I won't say high flying as much. I'll say fast paced because I wouldn't say that Alec is huge on the high fly. You know, he's not the lucha, da, 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 but I mean, the guy's all over the ring. So that's what I have to say about that one. Our winner in this one was Leon Slater. Uh, that was a surprise to me, too, because of uh, Alec just went in the, the what's it called title. Oh, my God. Right beforehand, the independent IWTV title uh, just a couple days prior to homecoming. So I was kind of shocked that he would take the L first. Even though they have no control over the booking in GCW, I just thought that was kind of a surprise uh, way to start off his IWTV title title reign. Uh, for the third match of Homecoming, it is a six-person tag match as Team Thrusty went against the team of Los Macisos and Crazy King. I was just happy to see Crazy King back in the ring with Los Macisos and their match against Thrusty. They always just have good chemistry working together, and uh, I enjoyed it. I, this was a good good match. So Thrusty and Los Macisos, this match, they were really having a good time. It was very friendly. It was about fun. Effie looked like a beast in the ring. He was wrestling with sunglasses on. I really just enjoyed it for what it was, just fun. Our winners here was Thrussy, and that's what I have to say about that. What do you think, man? Yeah, same thing. It was a fun match. No no really yeah. stories going into it, but uh was kind of nice seeing. Like, I enjoyed seeing Crazy King team of Los Macisos, and uh, as you said, I enjoyed it for what it was as well. 
Uh, next matchup was Tony Deppin making his return against Alex Zane. The one thing that I was disappointed in this match was no fucking hats went flying. I wanted to see that hat <laughs> littered full of rings, or I wanted to see that ring littered full of hats, and I didn't get a single hat thrown in that ring, so I was disappointed. But uh, Alex Zane and Tony Deppin had a good match. It was a nice comeback match for Tony. Nice uh, opponent that he's very familiar with to kind of ease him back into the GCW schedule. So Tony Deppin and Alex Zane, welcome back. Both were emotional. Uh, I really miss this about GCW. Familiar opponents. The endless chants of welcome back were just fantastic. Tony thanked everyone for supporting him from the bottom of his heart. He truly meant it. They worked really well together as usual. You knew that was going to happen. Deppin was about, I'd say, 90 to 95%, which was, in my eyes, better than expected. And I'm thinking in his eyes, better than expected also. He gave the fans a little warning ahead of time that, oh, I might not be so... He was great. And unless you are very familiar with Tony and Piggy like we are, you wouldn't notice a damn thing. So our winner here ended up being Tony Deppen. It was fantastic. He rolls out of the ring. He goes over to his wife. He grabs his kid, carries him around front row. Zane's leaving and Deppen takes his kid's uh, hand and he makes a little middle finger gesture. And that that had me laughing. So this was a good little fun time. Again, right after the uh, thrusty match. So, I mean, it's it's all feel good, which I love. It's It's homecoming. Yeah, we had one night of a more non-asshole Tony Deppin, but that would change uh, night two as soon as night two came on. <laughs> but I enjoyed seeing Tony Deppin kind of enjoy the reception that he got and kind of have fun with it because it was, like as you said, a good homecoming. And uh, I think it was perfect for both of them coming back to GCW. Our fifth matchup was the double dog collar match, which was another match I thought maybe could have been invented night one as Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck went against Charles Mason and Perro. I loved this match. This was violent. There was blood all over. It told a great story. Uh, I love the little spot that they did on the crane at the end to really kind of showcase that's what they needed, the extra boost to choke Perro and Mason out. And I enjoyed this match. It was a bloody war that was all throughout the arena. And this was a typical GCW good blow off to the feud, I think. The one thing I wanted to mention before we even start is I hope everyone respects Mason's 500 plus days with the House of Glory Crown Jewel Championship well worth mentioning the as i've said the janello wrecking company came out great vibe fun little spot where Pero yanked uh joey's chain it pulled him and it created a four foot blood smear smear down the pillar they fought all over the terminal and the last thing i can say and probably the highest compliment i could give for something like this this kind of a match it was well coordinated there was a very strong ovation given to all four and I feel, honestly, they all should be very proud. Our winner here, Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck. Yes, I was glad that they got the win to end the feud and uh, seeing where maybe Mason and Pero would go after next, and we get that answer later on uh, this episode. Uh, the next match of that homecoming night one was the seven-way scramble match. This was supposed to be the all-star scramble. Uh, some injuries and cancellations affected that, unfortunately. But I thought this was still a pretty well-done scramble. It was more of a fun scramble to kind of make up for probably the seriousness of what it was going to be. But Jimmy Lloyd, Arez, Cole Radrick, Dante Leon, 
Gringo Loco, Commander, Ninja Mac make up the seven competitors. And my thing, I was just really happy to see the winner. I was happy to see Jimmy Lloyd picking up a big victory on homecoming in uh, in AC and kind of getting the crowd behind him. I, I enjoy Jimmy getting little moments like that. I've been asking for kind of moments like that to Jimmy Lloyd getting, and I'll take that during this scramble match. All right. So in this match, Ninja Mac and Dante Leon, welcome back. Kids love Ninja Mac, and that's the key that I was talking about, where GCW can use something with the kids. That guy needs all kinds of kids gear. The kids are always chanting for him. Okay, and no BS, just go watch the best scramble GCW's put on this year so far. Our winner in this one, and the whole reason why everyone busted their ass, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. The whole reason for the scramble this time on homecoming was Jimmy Lloyd. Very proud for that. Yes, that was a pretty big name. Uh, pretty a lot of big names in that scramble too. So pretty big victory for Jimmy Lloyd, I thought. Uh, next match was the GCW Ultraviolet Title match as Rena defended the belt against Takashi Sasaki, and it was a good match, a good Rena match to kind of keep on uh, getting her payback against Freedoms for what they did to her during TOS weekend and uh, everything that happened in Japan. But other than that, I thought this was just a good match and another big win for Rena. Rena's loved. Great love from fans. No kidding. Uh, in this match, she was bloodied very bad. I will stay, say it was still a very good ultraviolent match. There were barbed wire doors propped up in the corners. There were chairs, light tubes. Also, Sasaki came out with a light tube sword. And I think that's a good indicator of what went on and how much glass may have been broken. Our winner here was, did I say wiener or winner? Our winner here. A little bit was, of both there. Well, you know, it's that testicular move. That <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, our winner here, Rina Yamashita. <laughs> I fucked you up, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I was trying to go somewhere from that, but I couldn't go nowhere. Uh, eighth matchup of Homecoming Night One. <laughs> move right. We're just going right on in. It's all right. That's perfect. This is this is what the show would be like with very little. Like this is just very. If anybody wanted to know what it would be with two or three uh, little little notes each, this is what it looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah. When when we go in depth, I think that's what. Yeah. This is this is our catch up show. Don't hate us, people. Yeah, we went in depth and that didn't get too pretty. And uh, I think the gods, the podcast and wrestling gods were speaking to us of, hey, you ain't putting this one out. So, yeah, this is what you're getting in return uh, to make up for it. Eighth matchup, King of Freedom World title match as the new champion, Toru Segura, goes against John Wayne Murdoch. I was happy to see Segura, a good replacement for um, Harada. As Harada was supposed to be here, but Harada got hurt in the match with Toru. So um, I'm just happy to see Takata Toru be the champion. I really do like seeing him a lot. Um, and seeing him defending that title against John Wayne Murdoch made kind of made sense uh, with the storylines going on. And John Wayne Murdoch's a good representative of GCW. And this was a fun death match, typical two great death matchers. Um, they had a lot of crazy spots and a lot of blood. Toru's just a psycho, and John Wayne Murdoch's willing to do anything to his body. So this made for a great pair and a great matchup. And I enjoyed this one. You know, Murdoch showed up as always, you know, especially on the big stage. He's always there. Uh, two funny things going on. Well, one funny thing and one thing I wanted to just mention. Perch was handing Toru light tubes at me laughing at one point. 
and you could see him like frantically trying to kick glass off to the side while also trying to referee the match. He is a busy man. Uh, the one little note that I wrote down that I thought was a great indicator is how this match went was Toru pounding a gusset plate into his own head. Then he launched his body head first into one of the panes of glass onto Murdoch. And he pretty much bloodied them both so bad that their faces were dark red towards the end of the match. Our winner here, Toru Segura. Toru actually got chance while he was leaving. And he answered by putting himself through uh, some light tubes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes me like Toro, though. That's what makes me like Toro. I think that's what made me start liking it. Los Macisos was after that crazy TOS tournament. Like, they both are just out there. Like, I think it was Miedo was out there supporting Ciclope. And then after the match is over, they, they just get you see the hug. They love each other. And then they just still throw themselves onto glass after all the damage they took. Just one little send out. Uh, I like it when the wrestlers do it. And Toro doing that made me happy. So Teenage Dirtbag then plays, and out comes Nate Webb. We have a small little celebration. He finally makes it to the ring, and it looks like we're going to have a match. And I think he's the first surprise of homecoming. I was, wasn't too... Uh, I was happy to see him in GCW and homecoming. I thought that was a good thing. I was surprised to see him there just because of the other companies he's been working with as of late, and we haven't seen him in GCW in a while. So I was kind of surprised to hear that music. And uh, yeah, this turned into a quick little match with Masha and Nate Webb. Uh, the one thing I really don't like about this match was kind of Nate Webb had a little bit of too much offense, I think, to uh, carry a eight-minute or seven-minute match against our former champion uh, not seeing Nate Webb for a while. So I kind of wish Masha would have done a better job of just kind of... Uh, what's that word? Oh, my God. Um, squashing Nate Webb and kind of gotcha. Keep, yeah, I would have preferred that, but I didn't mind Nate Webb getting the entrance and song. I just would have preferred like date Masha come out, laugh, kick him, and then call it a night after that point. Well, I was cheering on Masha. I put it at a short match at seven, but I think you're right. That should have been a four or five minute, you know, just beat down. Uh, you're also right that Nate did get a fair amount of offense in. A little awkward with the offense. Some of it was a little rough. Some of it was just, I don't know. I think I think he'd been out of practice for a little while, and I think it showed because he's like, okay, he's used to laying in, I think, a certain amount. And with Masha, he has to just adjust just a touch. And I think that threw him off. Nothing against him. I mean, that's the first time he'd stepped in a ring in quite a while. I was also laughing that as there was a fight to the outside, Nate had found that someone in the crowd had brought and was drinking a uh, an MD 2020. So someone had snuck in alcohol of, hey, it's a party. Our winner here, Masha Slamovich. <laughs> the cheapest alcohol, too. <laughs> I saw the MD 2020. I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen that Fuck in yeah. years. That's so that's so fucking GCW. I love that. <laughs> also, I wanted to say something, and I didn't, I didn't really want to swallow up too much time, but it's the truth here. I watched a little bit of other Masha Slamovich stuff and I'm not going to get deep into it really because I but I'm more of a fan now it's not like I was super super negative but I'm more a fan now of what she has I think what it is is if I would see in other companies her bring that to GCW in full form I would like it a lot more I like the dress I like the whole uh, makeup thing I like the whole fact that she has a little more say in what she's doing out there she's a little more interactive the masks, the whole nine. So 
I'm kind of turning on that. It took a while, but I'm I'm slowly coming around. And yeah, this this match, I was pro Masha. Yeah, I would say too. That's probably where I started watching a lot more of her was in Impact when she signed with them originally. Because, uh, yeah, as you said, you see a different side of her there than you do in GCW, and that's kind of weird. Like, I prefer kind of sometimes seeing my wrestlers, like the wrestlers I enjoy watching. I prefer seeing the GCW version of them than like their normal character because it seems like when they're GCW, they are open and more free to do all the stuff that they want to do yeah so that's why i find i do find it kind of weird though yeah masha is the opposite i didn't think about it until you said that i'm like she's not toned down in gcw i just think she she doesn't have to try to express herself as more of a badass on gcw because i think that's Mm -hmm. just how she's presented as it's opposite on impact where she kind of does have to go out of her way to present herself as the badass because they're not they're kind of uh restraining her a little bit because they're not pushing her at, uh like that at the moment yeah it's one of the few ones right now where the fans have booked her they've booked her yeah she's gonna kill you that's just especially for party. gcw yeah yeah i haven't seen that one uh all right our main event of homecoming night one was matt tremont versus violento jack uh match was good i just don't understand why this was a main event of one of your biggest weekends of the of the year and that was another concern and questionable uh decision i i thought of but ultimately it was a good match the talent always came through as always and violento jack and tremont had a good death match i also didn't like the ending because of what happens on the ending of night two after this one <laughs> ending of night one didn't make any sense for the ending of night two and that's where i kind of uh get a little confused and didn't really enjoy homecoming as much but uh the match was good and fun and i'm glad trey was able to get a homecoming main event uh spot as well well i'll tell you trey was really welcomed out for sure uh emma was announcing him and the fans are out there chanting ha 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 that was just one of the awesome moments this was mostly a tubes and glass panes match and by mostly tubes and glass panes i mean a lot of freaking tubes and glass panes there was just enough wrestling in this match to throw somebody through a tube or a glass pane or vice versa our winner here was violento jack violento jack i don't know how to say it i'm so sorry uh, i think you were right the first time i always say violento i think you were right there violento yeah so you know why? Because I'm thinking he's a Spanish wrestler. So I was just going with what I think the I would be an E. But I'm like I said, I'm guessing. Did I always? Did I ever tell you what my uh, dumb moment as a new GCW and independent wrestling fan was? Mm-mm. I always thought Los. I always thought uh, Miedo was Violento Jack as a different persona. Hmm. I don't know why, because like if you yeah. see him now, he started coming out with a mask that kind of like reminds me of Violento Jack. But whenever I first started watching like independent wrestling and deathmatch wrestling, and these two names I always saw, I always thought like Miedo was Violento Jack. It was just like another persona of his. But uh, yeah, I was so wrong on that one. Well, you know, there's there's a couple that I screw up every now and then. Uh, I screw up Richard Holiday and Alex Coughlin. The oh really? Guy, yeah, the uh-huh. guy with the slick hair and the mustache. Oh, me up every yeah. time. Honestly, I got some good notes on that one. It's very similar. Well, no shit. The other reason is I fucked them up is because they're both strong as hell and great wrestlers. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so the end of this one, the end of night one, the Freedoms guys were all celebrating at ringside uh, because Violento won. Sasaki and Toru then start to attack both Tremon and Jack. Rina comes out for a save and run them off. And that's how night one has closed. 
I want to repeat that just to make sure it's clarified. So that way, when I get to homecoming night two and I start bitching about the ending on there, this is the reason why. Freedoms attacked Violento Jack as well as Matt Tremont. So it's it's all. What do you say? We want to do a little JCW notes real quick. Very small JCW notes. Uh, Yeah, we could talk about that because I actually. That weekend, I I hate to say it, I actually enjoyed the JCW show. I think just in general, the storytelling and the match placement and everything, I enjoyed uh, the JCW show real quite a bit. Just because they got a lot, every match, there was a reason for it and stories, and each match felt, each match felt important for its own reason. I feel like at the JCW shows, things are just five to ten percent more relaxed. And that relaxation that we get a little extra allows for the wrestlers to give us a little extra entertainment here and there. So there are a couple notes that I have here for JCW. Very few because we do have to keep rolling. Coughlin, another great showing. Impressive power. 29-year-old standout. More, more, more until we can't anymore. He's like a mercer to a degree, but in a different way. Highly polished. Big fan. What's up? That's a, that's right. a new team I need to see right there. Mercer yeah. and Coglin. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You said kind of like Mercer. I was like, that's a team I need to see. <laughs> I saw you. I saw your face change and I go, uh, okay, that's worth talking uh, about for a second. It piqued my interest there. Uh, Mikowski, there's a nice spot where he turned the Coughlin spear into a guillotine. It was one of the first times I've ever seen it done so clean. It was done so clean that I only have five to six notes on this JCW show. That was one of them. I was laughing at Beast Man. He was confused on what corner he was in at one point. Manders with an impressive showing. And then I was also happy to see Alec win the ring in the main event of this. Yeah, I enjoyed Manders getting a big win in, in the JCW over Kevin Blackwood as well. And I like kind of that big win and Alec Price's win of the Battle Bowl rings over Josh Bishop too. They're leading now that's their next jcw show manders versus price imagine that wins and losses matter and now those two are going to wrestle against each other to find out who's wrestling jordan oliver for the jcw belt and that's it that's like so easy booking that's why i get so mad like that's why homecoming i was getting so mad like that's it that's all you got to do wins and losses matter it matters (laughs) and now that's all you have to do and then you can't do it for your two big shows uh jcw show I, i enjoyed it Jordan did pick up a victory over Griffin McCoy. I enjoyed the match. It was a little slower paced, but I liked it because it gave more time to kind of have them talk shit to each other, kind of build up the feud even during the match as well, and uh, have the blood kind of keep on boiling during the match. Um, I did enjoy that as well. I was kind of a little disappointed that wasn't the main event just because it is, I mean, it was the longest match of the night, and uh, that is going to be your champion like once again i don't know why your champion is not main eventing the shows uh i get why alec price and bishop could be a main event i just like why couldn't that have been the co-main event like those are the people that are challenging for your champion like it, it just seemed like a natural build-up in match progression wise but um i enjoyed i enjoyed what they're doing in jcw just everything is cohesive and it makes sense and i think that's why i think i'm enjoying it because everything's making sense to me over there and it's it's been fun well, what do you say? It's time for the next uh, the next show here, huh? 
Night two, same spot in the terminal at the AC at the showboat. Um, and night two opens up with Braden Toon going against Tony Depp. And I was nice. I was happy to see Braden. I'm still happy to see him on all these shows oh, yeah. uh, outside of the South where we originally saw him. I am enjoying seeing him traveling with JC, uh, GCW and working all these matches. And this was a good matchup, I think, with Tony Depp. And this was a classic Tony Depp and getting a new name and taking him into the deep waters, even though it was only eight minutes, it wasn't too deep of waters, but I, I thought this was a, the best showcase then that we saw of Braden tune in a one-on-one setting. We get to see him go through cells, sell the match, entertain the match, entertain during the match, but also carry it as a one-on-one competitor instead of being in a scramble. And he did very well in this match. I was impressed with Braden tune. And I liked how Tony Depp and who the fuck is this guy at the beginning? <laughs> like, yep, we got that asshole Tony back. This is the Tony I wanted to see back. Yeah, and I even wrote that in my notes. No shit. Ho- uh, heel Tony Deppen is back. He tossed a, a hat in the crowd. Yeah, we're on the same page. It was very apparent that Mr. Nice Guy was gone and it was back to work for Tony Deppen. Um, I wanted to mention that Braden was in a Tracy Smothers shirt. I thought that was pretty cool. A nice little callback. I think there was a recent birthday not too long ago, and I think that was the shout out there. Not 100%. It was a good match. Braden was a solid opponent. I think it was more solid than Deppen had expected, which I think played out in the match here and there. Uh, please come back. Chance were coming out from the fans. I, we said this, we said this from the first time we see Braden. We need to get him back. And ever since then, I mean, we saw him back in New York like nothing. So dude's working his butt off. Tony sees it. Fans see it. We see it. I love it. Yeah, I was. I'm glad to see classic Tony back. I'm surprised it lasted a whole night of him uh, being on his P's and Q's. But yeah, I'm so happy to see Tune everywhere because he actually has been killing it in whatever role he's been uh, asked upon in GCW these last couple shows. And I think he deserves to be part of the regular crew here. Uh, that's been happening. Our next matchup was a eight person tag match as the Brat Pack, which is Starboy Charlie, Leon Slater. Rogan Finley and Marcus Mathers go against the team of Thrunt, Effie, Alley Catch, Sawyer Wreck, and Dark Sheik. Once again, just another match. I it was kind of like I, I don't want to say like I have the exact word you have, so I'll, I, I'll just piggyback off what you're about to say. And I agree with everything because it just felt like shit was everywhere. <laughs> like it was. It felt like an SGC match. It was. It was a decent match. It was the word that we were both looking for here was chaotic. There was just a ton. Yep of crazy fun shit going on at the end. I even put here, our winner was Thrunt and 11 minutes of fun. The, the names are getting crazy, but Thrunt it is. So there we go. (laughs) Yeah. The names are getting kind of fun, but also get a little crazy at sometimes too. Uh, next matchup was Becca versus Maki Ito. Um, I kind of totally forgot about this match on night two. Um, Becca, I like her character. I think she kind of has a perfect heel heat, easy to boo boo her and stuff. I really hope that Cruel somehow makes his way over with her at some point. I think they can start doing some fun stuff. But with her being her first match against Maki Ito, once again, this Maki, I I sent you the text watching the match against... um, killer kelly i think she's finding like herself like she's in her zone she's finding out what's working and every time we've seen her she's getting more fun in the matches and like she wants to go in these matches like i I feel like she just 
Like sometimes once to cut out the actual bullshit and just like wrestle. Like I just see yeah. like you see her wanting to pick up the speed and pick up the momentum during these matches. And I've been enjoying that because I think Maki uh, is a really pretty good, really good wrestler. But I love how she does the entertaining spots in her matches as well. Yeah, I have here that Becca comes out with her security. She has her flashy gear on. I have her here as a good worker, sells well, naturally pisses off the crowd. She does a great job interacting with the crowd during the match also. Maki had her MDK entrance on night two. It was a huge hit. Just go straight to the winner here, Maki Ito. Uh, Becca also got the Please Come Back chant. So I know that I shortened this quite a bit, but if you have a chance, it wouldn't be... Uh, wouldn't be too difficult to go back and watch this. It's about a nine and a half minute match, and you're going to get to know a little bit about Becca. And I think it's someone that we may see in GCW again by the way the fans were talking. Yeah, she reminded me of like a female Cardona with her characters. That's what I got from her <laughs> that night. Uh, match number four Commander versus Dragon Kid. Good lucha match. Um, I kind of had the same note. Like a little bit, I was what well, you have. I, I didn't have it word for word, but seems like Commander's been. I have watered down. Like that's kind of what I did. His move set's been a little bit watered down of some of these moves that we've seen him do flying outside instead of being the four fifty splash or six thirty or all these other crazy stuff we've been seeing Commander Vikingo do. They've been kind of uh, limiting it now to just say, hey, just a regular. Like and that's how it's so bad saying this. Ah, he just did a triple, triple, uh, triple jump. <laughs> shooting star press off of three ropes but it's just a shooting star press so it's not as impressive like i i just feel like he has been watered down but it's still impressive seeing how easy he makes it look every single time well this match i think what was going on was the fact that dragon kid is 47 did you know that oh huh? no yeah no yeah. okay so that is actually why i wrote in the notes that commander was more grounded than usual he was adjusting to dragon kid's style it was a luchas showcase and you could see throughout the match and even at the end that wrestling Dragon Kid meant a lot to Commander. Our winner in this match was Commander. And at the very end, the chants were coming in as both these guys and everyone. Again, a lot of feel-good stuff here. Everyone was happy. Our fifth matchup of the evening, once again, a surprise and shocker to me. It's thrown right in the middle of Homecoming Night 2, but it is for the GCW world title as Blake Christian defends it against Monster Slamovich. Once again, I, I don't understand. You have your GCW champion. You made them champion to be the face of your company, but you won't put them on a main event of a card. So once again, I, I'm shocked that this was had all the storyline going into this show and or going into homecoming and it's not just like the death uh death match busters and maki death kill like it's not your main event which is shocking to me and i don't know i it was a good match um blake i think blake deserves more from this run i think he just deserves to be able to main event some of these matchups and some of these cards because he like he's in ring been killing it i just think he's kind of been set up to not be as more of a champion than I kind of was hoping from this run. But as you said, it is his first run. Um, maybe the second run will start to see a little bit more of Blake Christian. But it was it was a good match. I just didn't... I, I don't know. But having it be in the middle kind of threw me off. And um, this is, goes into our my bitching of Homecoming and the last episode that uh, we did not re or recorded but didn't put out. But it was all right. 
So Masha was out in Ninja Gear. Again, this is another thing. I'm big on stuff like that. That also pushed me over the edge on Masha. But uh, then you have Blake Christian. So we've got the Jinja versus the Ninja, baby. They fought all over the terminal. There was a Kira entrance uh, interference towards the end, which created a huge amount of chaos. It ended up knocking out, jeez, uh, Masha Slamovich. Our winner here, Blake Christian. And um, the only thing I'll add on to what you were saying there was I think Blake Christian will know a lot more of what to ask for in his next championship run. I think, if anything, this is a learning lesson. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good way to call it. Um, I, I just wish he was. He's given the chance to give be the champion, give him the full keys and let him see what he could do since you already gave him half of it. Um, yeah, this was like that was the big moment heading into homecoming. What's going to happen with the GCW world title? And okay, it's over, but there's still more matches on homecoming night, too. So, uh, next matchup was a crazy tag team match. Uh, oh, this is the oh, okay, this was the fun I one. Was I it live. This so was, was a fun one. <laughs> this was a fun match. Actually, this was one of the funnest matches I enjoyed all weekend. Um, Los Pacisos team with Jimmy Lloyd going against Cole Radrick, Alec Price, and Shane Mercer. Going against a team of Ninja Mac, Joey Janela, and Dante Leon. Going against Gringo Loco's team of Gringo Loco, Jack Hartwell, Ana Rez. This was a fun, just trios, four-way trios match. This The action, I thought, was fun. I enjoyed all the spots they had in here. Um, I believe they got, like, wasn't Perch the referee involved, I think, in this? Like, Oh, no, I, well, probably he's been involved all over this place. Um yeah, I enjoyed this match. It had a lot of funny comedic spots, and I enjoyed the the fun and then light, uh, like the lightning of the mood that this match provided. It was the first time I'd seen a match in GCW where I was 100% sure there wasn't enough ring. That's, that's what <laughs> I kind of picked up on. Um, there was a nice little spot where there was 16 holds going on at one time. Or 15, I'm sorry, because there were 16 participants. Does that sound right? Or was it 16, 12, 12, 12. 12. Yeah. There were 12 holds going on at one time and I can't count for shit. (laughs) Winner in this one is RS Gringo Loco and Jack Cartwheel. I put in here. It was a fantastic match with a lot of unique things. I cannot believe I saw that thing go down. It was ref Ryan T. That's what it was. Um, What did they do? Was it a choke slam spot? Like everybody did something like, Oh, even like, I think it was like a tope or something like that. <laughs> like Dave Prezak was like, oh, I'm surprised the ref hasn't done anything. And then you just see like the ref kind of creep up like Keith Lee and Adam Cole. <laughs> out of nowhere, right behind Joey Janela, like, hey, I'm my turn. I enjoyed that match. It was fun. Uh, it just was a while ago and I don't have the exact moves and stuff. But that I remember sticking out to me is putting a smile on my face and um, being a high point for homecoming weekend. The next match, which was a thrown together match in... Okay, I, I'm glad that uh, this person at least got a moment out in AC, and that is Santana Jackson. Santana Jackson makes his AC debut going against Haley Dillon. Um, quick little match, but I'm glad the AC crowd got the Santana Jackson effect. Santana Jackson is yeah. it's something. like It's just crazy seeing how over he is with the GCW crowd. And everywhere, everywhere he goes, people for the first time when they see Santana Jackson uh, are always entertained. So uh, I'm glad the AC crowd was able to be entertained by Santana. And that's where I'm at, too. I mean, we've, we've enjoyed him in Vegas. We saw him hit in Vegas. We saw him hit in L.A. And now we're seeing him hit in AC, which deservedly, show, deservedly so. 
Uh, Haley was out first. There's a huge belly butterfly looking tattoo she's got, and it can't be ignored. I have here that she was a great heat seeker, but funny thing of all the things to be mentioning, it was a butterfly belly tattoo. Santana was a huge surprise. Holy shit. Chance from the fans. The fans were thoroughly enjoying Santana Jackson. Prazak was trying his best impressions. Um, it was all fun. And the hee hee chant, there was hee hee dun dun. That had me dying. We've watched him so many times. I never thought of a hee hee chant. Our winner you just Santana Jackson. What's up? <laughs> no, we usually just hear people yell it out like randomly throughout the match, like hee hee, and then like someone yeah, else like yeah. hee hee. Like that's kind of like the woos, like during random like Ric Flair matches, you hear woo woo woo. And like but yeah. for Santana Jackson, it's like hee 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 hee. I I enjoyed it. I I the pop was shocking to me, and I'm mm-hmm. glad. I'm glad he he gets those pops. So I'm glad the AC crowd uh took to him because uh it's been very fun to see how GCW is taking him in. Santana Jackson is the king of pop. <laughs> You'll see. I'm gonna go tell him. Oh, that's go a good online one. and be like, "You're the king of pops, bro." Oh, I don't have my react button ready, or else I'd hit the hit the hit the button on you. But uh. All right, uh, next matchup, Homecoming Night 2, was for the GCW Tag Titles as the team of East-West Express defended against Freedom's team of Sasaki and Toru Segura. Uh, had a feeling this was probably going to happen. I don't like it. I think me and you kind of agree on why we don't like it and what it kind of shows the fans of GCW and what it takes away from GCW and us as fans, but um, Team Freedoms beat East West Express for the belts and now the tag titles, along with the Arena and the Freedoms over in Freedoms. Ultraviolet title is gone in Japan and the Extreme title. Uh, we don't even know where the hell that is, so we don't even know what's going on with that. So and we got Blake hanging out in the mid card with the world championship. No offense to Blake, but this is where I think we kind of disagree. Is like, where are all, where are all our titles? Yeah, yeah. The, my main concern was we're getting ready to have a fantastic Europe tour. We GCW is ready to have a fantastic Europe tour, and they can only folk uh, only have one belt. I think unless Rena's going. Is Rena going? I don't remember who was going for Germany. Hmm. See, they are they have been switching it up too, which has kind of been nice, but also kind of been a little disappointing because we don't get to see a lot of the regulars we kind of enjoy uh, overseas. Yeah, well, I do know that in Japan, Gage isn't going over, but he is going over to Germany. Yeah, I saw that. I'm looking forward to that. So, did you announce? Did you announce this one or not? I'm so yep. sorry. I got caught in. Oh, right. So. east west huge ovation jordan looks a little off but i think he had a match earlier so that kind of doesn't help too much uh wayne was enjoying himself thoroughly he looked happy 143 days gcw tag team champions out there violento jack then appears during the match chairs were used on east west and violento jack comes in to help sasaki and toru our winners here and new champions takashi sasaki and toru segura Hold on, you mean Violento Jack, the same one that Sasaki and Toru Seguro the night before beat up at the end and end night one, and then all of a sudden Violento Jack just, oh, hee hee, I'm on your team now, just kidding. And that was a red herring, and now they're Team Freedoms. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's exactly. I'm not giving you my opinion. That's a fact. I'm giving you my opinion. That's shitty. <laughs> oh my god, that this is where I go into. That didn't make any sense. I don't mind them losing to freedoms. I thought they kind of would. I like how praise that kind of did make mention of the match beforehand with. Uh, um, Griffin McCoy and kind of like the injuries he did suffer in that match, quote unquote, and how that was going to affect him, quote unquote, later. Prezak, I think it was Prezak did a very good job of uh, talking about that throughout the match as well. So I did enjoy that. And that kind of made it a little bit more make sense of, hey, this is why East West Express might be losing the belts here because they've been one of their champions have been beaten down earlier in, in the day. I just don't understand the why again this is why this is where i disagree with the booking i don't it doesn't make any sense why valento jacket feed up one night and the next night he joins him i i guess okay oh he played the played the trick on him and he wasn't really beat up but i just think that's to me that was lazy booking and all the way that these champions lost that belt was that as you kind of say like that's not the way i envisioned them losing uh this belt (laughs) So I just looked up real quick what was going on with Yamashita. She is going over to England and to Germany. So we will have two belts represented over there. And, um, you know, unless that, unless that other belt comes out of, the, out of the closet. I know it was in the trunk. It might be in the closet. Who knows where it is now? Again, I think it's getting polished up, and I think it's going to become a beautiful scramble championship. That's what I had in my dream one day a long time ago. But yeah, that was the end of the run. That is how it's ended. If uh, I'm judging it for what it is, not what it could be in my head, a perfect, um, a perfect finish and loss for this would been the Motor City Machine Guns. I thought that would have just been, I brought you in, I'll take you out kind of thing, but in the most possible loving way. Like if we were going to see the belts turned over, it would still be a feel good moment kind of thing. So, you know, they would have raised their hands at the end. It would have been the passing of the torch. They love each other and care for each other. And it's, it's all a good thing. So that's what I have to say about that one is um, you always hope as a fan for the belts to be longer, but the thing for me has nothing to do with the belts as much as the belts being gone may be an indicator that Nick Wayne may not be around as much. And I have a feeling as his stock goes up, his dates will come down. Yeah, I'm surprised they did announce him, uh, him and Jordan, for one of these uh, cards coming up here. So that was kind of nice to see that they are still able to use him. I thought, like, I my thing, my issue is not with them losing it either, it's just how they lost him. It doesn't make any sense with Violento Jack being beat up the night prior. Like, that's my only issue. I had a feeling they were going to lose, and then some team, I don't know which team, was going to win it in Japan, is what I assumed, to kind of bring the belts back to the States, or when they when freedoms comes back out here in October for the art of war games, I thought maybe that's when they would give us the tag title backs. But I just like, as you said, we're about to go on all these tours for the next two months and you got no belt to no champions to sit there representing. That kind of sucks. East West could win it back. That's possible. That is possible. But we got to wait till October for that to happen. Like, that's what's annoying. It's got to be like in October. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing them taking this to LA and like, or not LA, um, England and Liverpool. And I would like to see them go against Doris and Leon Slater as the tag team over there. I know they're a tag team. And that's what that'd be a fun matchup. I'd, I'd like to see, even though like they don't have the belt somewhere, I think that's still a matchup I would like to see. But um, yeah, East West Express tag title runs end, and we'll see what happens from here. 
And that leads us into our main event of night two, which once again, I don't understand why this is the main event because it was not built up towards anything, but Violento Jack goes against Rena. Um, I don't remember if they announced this was if this was for the Ultra Violet match or not. I can't remember, but um, this was a good death match again. Violento Jack had a great tour over here. I just don't understand what they were doing character-wise and booking-wise um, with him over here. But the match with Rena was good. And once again, this sets up to what's going to be happening now in Japan in October. Okay, so I'm looking up real quick because I may, you know what I mean? Like I may not have written down. I'm trying to see here. This was the ultraviolet title match. So that's what was going on here. Okay. It's just I was doing it live. And when I do it live, I write down who was in and boom. And usually with more time, I'll go back and clean it up. I did not. I just let her fly. Okay. So you announced this one or no? Yes. I'm so sorry. Yes, we did. Dude, I'm so, I'm running 100 <laughs> different things at once. I'm trying to get. Okay. So two minutes in and the GCW crew was still carrying weapons out into the ring as the match was going on. I seen a lot of tubes, a lot of bundles. I saw a light tube rug. I also saw a glass pane bridge with uh, in the middle of the ring, which was beautiful. The ending was a arena splash mountain through that glass. She was almost choked out, and then she rolls him over for three. Our winner and still champion, Rina Yamashita. So we go a little further here towards the end, and there's a little chit-chat back and forth between a couple of the big guys. And Gage says, we're going to have Art of War 3. Sasaki then grabs the mic and says that he's bringing Jun Kasai, Toru, and Violento with him. So now we have the stage set for Art of War 3. And I'm looking forward to that. That should be fun. Um, it did take away a little bit from the Chicago show because I always just expect that to be in Chicago. But it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be actually really cool in AC. I think that's going to be a cool matchup for them to get. I think the crowd and atmosphere that night is going to be through the roof. It's going to... It's going to be a fun and exciting night, I think. And that Art of War, yeah, they got Takeda, and I forgot who the fifth the fifth person was, but I'm happy with the teams in Team GCW versus Team Freedoms. I get this is where everything was culminating towards Homecoming Weekend. I just wished how they got there could have been done a little bit differently while still preserving Homecoming as a big show. Because um, now after these two shows, I – I left thinking these were just two regular shows. I didn't feel like they were special. They didn't feel like they were like homecoming. always felt like, hey, this is the big one. This is Gage Cardona. This is last year's homecoming was, um, oh, shit. Ah. <laughs> ah, fuck. One of those but, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, it felt special. Like these shows felt special yeah. where th this weekend I really felt like they the specialty didn't feel there. The novelty of homecoming wasn't there. It just felt like regular AC shows. And it's a little disappointing that that kind of affected my mood and everything and my reactions towards this show. But um, luckily these next two shows we kind of covered helped me get back into GCW. A lot of way better booking, I believe um, throughout these next two shows and leaves me happy to what's coming up after homecoming and uh, coming up for the future here with Germany Liverpool, um, Japan, and then back home in UC, uh, UCC Center. I'm excited what's coming up here. So I'll just kind of go to some awesome little spots I wanted to go back to reflect on that weekend. The Ecto-1 and everything Cardona. 
the return of Tony Depp and Alex Zane, Ninja Mac, and Dante Leon, which were some of the people that were the reason why I fell in love with GCW in the first place. Jimmy winning the All-Star Scramble. And lastly, Santana Jackson going over like wildfire at the, uh, at the terminal. So that's, that's the couple things I did want to mention to kind of just say those, those were the ones I look forward to uh, when I look back. All right, that will lead us into the next show we're going to cover, which is GCW's Say You Will from the Grand Sports Arena from the Hoffman Estates in Illinois. And I, going into the show, I was not excited at all. I, be honest, like at homecoming, left a sour taste in my mouth. I wasn't happy for anything, wasn't excited for it. The matchups looks good, but I wasn't getting my hopes up and getting, uh, looking forward to towards anything other than the matchup so i kind of went into these shows with a just a clear mind and open mind and just hoping to see some good wrestling but i enjoyed uh what say you will end up turning out by the end of the night so i felt like it was nice to get back to a card full of familiar faces and i was really excited the the 16 17 18 year old kid in me was excited to see lash larue from wcw I had no idea whatsoever what we were getting. Would it be good? Would it be bad? No fucking idea. I'll hold off my opinion on that one. I won't say anything more. <laughs> All right. So our first matchup for Say You Will is a scramble match as the competitors were Jimmy Lloyd, Fuego Del Sol, Braden Toon, Adam Priest, one called Manders, and then the JCW champion, Jordan Oliver, um, which started to make me kind of question, why is he being put in these scramble matches? I know we were kind of talking about it. If he is hurt and this is the reason they're kind of uh, protecting him, then I'm all for it. Um, it is disappointing a little bit, but if that's going to make him still able to see Jordan make appearances and still wrestle while preserving his body and health for future appearances, I'm all for that. But um if the reason why they're putting him in scrambles is not because he's injured or any other reason, I just don't understand why you're having a singles champion in these scramble matches and not even defending the titles. And it's a little frustrating seeing booking wise what's what is heading where the JCW title is going to be at. I thought they had a really good uh, first title defense against Mance Warner and stuff, and it seemed like they have a lot of good matches, and they kind of just the title defense has just kind of stopped and um, I'm hoping that will change here soon. And hopefully Jordan is uh, getting his health back. If that is the case and he is ready to defend that title a lot more because I've been kind of missing the point of having the JCW title. If it's not being defended. Yeah. If there's injury heal up, you know um, it, it, we, we don't need you every night if you're hurt and you know what I mean? So if you're injured, heal up, we do miss you. Uh, we will miss you, but we would rather see you in tip-top shape, happy, and ready to perform. Fuego has gained muscle. He looks good. He put in a lot of good work in this match. There was a ton of fun near falls. This match, just go watch it. This is the opener of Say You Will. You know how a scramble goes. Our winner here was Jordan Oliver. And um, yeah, we're just hoping to see some more title defenses. I'll just, it's funny, we were kind of on the same page. I, uh, you know, we've just got a thoroughbred horse out there and I just want to see him, um, just want to see him go out there and perform. 
our second matchup of the evening. This this is everything I've been dying for lately. This was everything I've been missing in GCW, and I want to see a lot more of this. Speedball Mike Bailey going against Mance Warner. I loved it. Like I loved everything this match, other than the timing. Like I'm surprised that DJ has it right there, 9:42 or 52. It feels like it was a lot longer than that. I loved this match. This was this felt like what GCW used to represent. You get two names that are GCW regulars fighting for supremacy of the brand, and who wants to who's going to be the next person to represent the the company as a champion, and who's going to win this match to get the next championship shot, hopefully at Blake. Um, I enjoyed it. This just felt like a old school scrap. Um, yeah, I wrote here. It's everything I've been missing and loving about GCWs. Um, I want to see a lot more of it. And the big fun spot of the match was obviously the perch spot with, uh, for me, I wrote down <laughs> too. Like that was, that was a fun spot. And I just loved these two. Give me these two, some form or fashion all day long. This was in, this was what I miss. Again, I'm going to keep it short. I wish I could give this a lot longer time, but I was laughing at Perch being used as a weapon. Uh, he also used an Irish whip at one point. Uh, these were two veterans who should be way further up the card. I was really surprised for this one to be a number two match. Still, very solid match. It needed more time than just a little under 10 minutes. This could have easily been a championship match. Both of the men in this match always put on quality matches. I don't see a bad Mance Warner match, especially singles. I never see a bad Mike Bailey match. If quality is what it's about, and then we would, I, I don't know. You're letting me talk. That's the problem. These are the no. ones that I'd like to see hold the title for GCW. These are the ones I yes. want to see carry the torch. These are the ones I want to see at the top of the card, because as I'm watching this three hour show, these are the ones that I look forward to. They're the reasons there we, we were yeah. watching and started watching GCW. These matchups were the kind that got us involved. Like, holy shit, this is yeah. fun. This is what we miss and love. I agree with you. These two names should be representing the company and battling it because they're just can't miss. I loved this. Like, I cannot tell you enough the booking of this matchup. I just loved these two competitors and the match that they brought was fantastic i this was a 10 star out of 10 star match whatever like i enjoyed every second of this and what it represented and just a feeling that i had watching this match and also the other thing that i will mention in closing here is that both mike bailey and mance warner go out of their way after the show to be out there with the fans and meet them and that's how you make true hardcore lifelong fans they go out there. They don't stand back there and in the lot. You know, they're out there interacting with everyone. And for fans, that matters. And that's how you get those longtime fans. I'll, I'll just it, trust me. It's that's how it's worked for me many times. Is some of the interactions after the show. Well, a lot of fun interactions after the show has made better um, relationships in the present. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Give me these kinds of matchups and. I will be a thousand percent back in. This was like literally this matchup kind of got me back into like, okay, I'm not so mad at GCW no more. Cause like I was not happy after home. <laughs> I wasn't happy after homecoming. I, as a fan and doing the podcast, seeing the booking, seeing what was happening, nothing kind of made sense. I wasn't happy with everything. And seeing this matchup had a giant smile on my face and 
got the happiness back to me, kind of brought me back to what made me a GCW fan, and I'm glad. And I thank you, Mike Bailey and Mance Warner, for that because these types of matchups um, between competitors like you two is what made me a GCW fan and what gets me excited to hopefully see more of this coming from GCW down the line. Okay, I was going to let you just move on. Both of those guys are giving the quality style matches that people went and wanted to go see at ECW. And these are the kind of matches that ECW delivered. Just saying, if we're trying to go around that route a little bit, that was an ECW style fucking banger. I kind of have like a little note here later. I kind of want a little time to just kind of, I wrote down a pretty big thought that I was in this was like the only future booking I did just because of everything that's happened. I kind of stopped wasting my time with the future booking, but um, <laughs> after seeing this match and kind of seeing another match later on in the next card, I kind of wanted to make a statement of what, as you said, kind of what got us into what we expect from GCW in the act in ring wise and afterwards as well. So uh, I'll hit a more on that later on. Uh, next match to say you will, which was another fun matchup as Team Bussy goes against Violence is Forever, making their second match, I believe, at this time in GCW. Once again, give me Violence is Forever all day long. I wrote they need to stay in G- GCW every show. Like they are meant for GCW. I was actually just talking to my wife a little earlier downstairs when you sent me uh, the message saying that Violence is Forever will be at UCC. I was super excited because yes. I've been kind of tooting their horn for a little bit and. I'm, my wife was like, who are they? Like, I heard you say them, but I don't remember seeing them. I said, like, hey, this is a team I'm surprised hasn't been in GCW all this time and are just now starting to work with them. I'm glad to see it happening. I want to see it happen a lot more because I think they could do a lot of fun and destructive things in the GCW tag team title scene and tag scene just in general. And I want to see them happen a just destructive war path over these next couple matches because they've just been a breath of fresh air, in my opinion, in the growing tag division. So we're getting ready to go to Japan again. So I need to announce Bussy the way that Effie wants it announced in Japanese. Are we ready? Yes. It's Oshiri no Niko. No one kill me out there. That means ass pussy. Just letting you know. That's that just came up on Effie's thing two minutes ago on Twitter. I'm just <laughs> don't kill me. Don't kill me. He's like, Breaking that's close news. enough. So yeah. So when we go to Japan, there you go. Uh, Bussy was having more of a serious match with VIF, and I really liked it a lot. There are two things I like about Bussy. It's when they have fun, but more importantly, when they put on a real wrestling match. Look back at their tag team title run if you want to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Effie and Ellie was very serious. I loved it. But even though that was how that was, our winners here were still violences forever. They were not to be deterred. Violence then decides to attack Bussy after the match was over, and Los Macisos comes out and they run off. Violence is forever. And then, funny thing, that actually gives us kind of a hot start into our next match. Did you want to talk before we got into that one? Yeah, real fast. Um, talking about like who would have, I would have liked to see drop the tag titles. East West Express would have been Violence is Forever. Given, hey, after these two ass whoopings that they did to our GCW, like this is what I missed too of these new like Paro when he came in and just make a statement, make a scene and beat up the regulars, beat up like the fans we love or like the wrestlers that we love as fans, like and make a statement as outsiders coming in and taking over 
like a new style GCW. Like that's how I felt with Violence is Forever. And I enjoyed their statement. And like I said, I felt like this was a classic. Let's build this new team up. And um, I, I, I wish they could have hauled off East West Express. One more, one more show. Let them beat the Team Freedoms. And then after Violence is Forever, drop the belts to them after this beat up. Because I think that would have been a cool statement of Violence is Forever just coming in and wrecking havoc. And now they're the new tag team titles. And who's going to take it away from them? But I did like too how you said that those Macisos came out um, and it did roll right in. That's one thing we've been kind of liking the match kind of progressions of ending and going right into the next one and kind of interweaving a couple of different stories. I do like that. And the next match was Los Macisos versus Rina and Masha. I was expecting a little bit more from this match, I think, just because of the violence in Chicago and these four competitors. I was just expecting a little bit more blood and glass and stuff, but. Other than that, we got a bunch of other fuckery to make up for, and this was a this was a fun match. I like all four competitors. This was everything I thought each competitor would do, and this was a good match for the Chicago fans. I kind of like Rena and Masha together. I don't know what it is. I don't know what about it, but they're complementary in a good way. And you would think, looking at both of them, they would kind of clash, and not clash, but overlap in styles, and both of them are good enough at their own thing where the overlap is very little. Um, the doors and chairs were everywhere in this match. It was well fought. The one thing that anyone should take away here was that the women absolutely held their own, which I always love to see. Our winners here, Rena and Masha. That will lead us into match number five, say you will, which was Joey Janela versus Lash LaRue. Um, I, I, this was just a typical Joey against an older veteran that hasn't wrestled in a while and having a, oh, I was going to say 20-minute, I guess a 13-minute match. Um, just This was a typical Joey match. It was good. I enjoyed this. I made Lash look good. I think Joey does excellent in these spots to make the opponents coming back, making them look good and do a bunch of crazy fuckery that we wouldn't expect to see from Lash LaRue. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. This was... I didn't have an expectation for anyone who's coming straight out of the late 90s because usually, like, some of the guys that you see, they're well retired you know they're heavy set they're out of shape and you know they're just living their life happy they don't need to fucking lift every day and you know go run for three miles and that was completely the opposite lash looked absolutely fantastic he came out happy he was mobile this was his first return after 13 years off and i swear he saved all that 13 years of energy and blew it out in this match he had a 90s way of selling to him. I love the style. He was also trained at WCW's power plant. Like I said, old school cool, for sure. Our winner here still was Joey Janela, but the winner, I mean, really, the winner here was Lash LaRue. He was given a huge ovation. You still got it, Chance. Joey Janela went online, and he was just singing his praises all over Twitter. So, good deserved it. and. He had such a great positive energy about him. It was just, it was awesome. The whole experience was way better than I, like way better than I expected. Yeah, Lash looked better than I expected as well. And um, I was kind of glad to see him kind of perform at a very high level still and had a good match and 
didn't go out and embarrass himself, which I always get afraid of during these matchups when some of these older veterans come in. But he definitely held his own, and I'm same way. I'm happy to see him uh, get that moment uh, at this point of his career. Our next matchup is a tag team match as the team of Cole Radrick and Alec Price, which I am loving, by the way. That's like pretty much a really note I took here is loving this new team of Alec and Cole. Um, going against the team of Bang and Matthews. Um, to me, it's just seeing, seeing Cole and Alec kind of gel and kind of finding their own chemistry has been kind of fun. I wouldn't mind seeing them as a tag team. It gives them some set of purpose to chase after if they're not going to be doing other anything other than scrambles. I wouldn't mind seeing them team up and have a little tag team uh, chase. So I'm kind of with you about Cole Radrick and Alec Price, mostly because those are two of my favorites. So not, not going to lie there. They took, you know, chocolate and marshmallows and threw them together kind of gonna yeah i'm not arguing there uh yeah colin price together again i love bang and matthews they were the hometown guys tonight i think cole hurt his shoulder when one of the bang bros landed on him or when one of the bang and matthews brothers landed on him. i honestly thought for a minute there he tore something because he sold it so well our winners here were bang and matthews the uh porn lawyers cole is having a hard time getting out of the ring i noticed the uh yeah see i slipped that one in there so um i'll go ahead and just win go in here frank the clown came out maki ito then comes out she's out with her new shirt for sale which i always think is a good move by wrestlers to come out with that gear um maki then beats up frank delivering a kokeshi and a face wash she reaches in her bag and pulls out her pizza cutter she cuts him open and she ends up wearing his glasses at the same time. So this is a busy little match and it was a nice little in between portion, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. I liked Maki getting uh, her little heroes welcome and be able to come out, give the Nick Gage entrance, give the fans what they want, a version of what they want and also beat up Frank the clown. I'm all down for that. Anytime uh, somebody can get their hands on him. So I enjoyed that part. I love his usage of color. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, next matchup was the GCW World Title match as Blake Christian defends the belt against Francesco Akira from New Japan Wrestling. Uh, once again, Akira doesn't seem like the GCW kind of talent to come from New Japan to wrestle out here, but I think in ring, stylistically, it was like a mirror image, Blake Christian and Akira. I, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was a stylistically great matchup between both. And once again, another great matchup from Blake Christian defending the, ti uh, defending the title and showing off what he could do in the ring. It just, I wish they could get a little bit more push uh, with the belt. So Blake was out in all black tonight. Akira is completely new to me. Both seem to have a very, like you said, a very even matchup. Stylistically, they were very close. Um, my read on Akira is for right now, I'm going to have to see more, but I need to find out what his personality is. Cause right now his personality is kind of flat. It's kind of it's... vanilla and I need to see more of what he's about to become attached to who he is because in GCW, it is really more about personality. So that's what I'm curious to see is that's... what he has in there. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. He doesn't seem like he fits the GCW bill. Like, I know of him a little bit from New Japan um, and follow him. But, like, as you said, his 
character work doesn't seem like it in GCW. In ring style, like he's good, but a character didn't seem to fit. So, in my opinion, like how like Will Ospreay when he came in, he just kind of accepted it and fit right in. Um, I didn't get the same feeling from Akira, but he's still a yeah, Zach Saber too. Oh man, I said oh, still watching him. Uh, I watched one of the New Japan shows just from the other night, and I was like seeing him wrestle. I'm like, oh, I want to see him more out here for GCW. <laughs> So, yeah, Blake grabs a mic, says he's in the middle of the card again. He's not happy. Uh-huh. I like him cutting a promo after the match like he did. It, it sounded really good. And um, this is the second time that Blake has mentioned that he's not on the top of the card. Now, either GCW is trying something very new and or there's something more to this. That's what I hope. I'm glad Blake's I, I wanted him to shut up for all these years or not all these years, all these months, I guess, when he started doing all this heel stuff, which has almost been about over a year now. But the last two promos he's cut, keep keep spitting, keep spitting the facts, Blake, because he ain't lying to everything he said is right. I, I've loved these promos. This is what the, if you're going to cut a promo, cut a promo like this. Tell the truth. There ain't no fake bullshit like how you were trying to with no heart over there. That seemed fake and forced. This is real. This seems like real frustration, and I get it. And I so I have the same frustration for you as a champ. So I don't mind these kind of promos from him. I agree with it. And I, I to me, it adds more to his heel character, too. Well, I yeah, when he grabbed the cool. mic, he just let himself speak. He was all heart. Hey, it's true. Yeah, I, 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 but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, I take it was coming it. from the heart and you know, that was all heart and the most all heart he's been in a long time and it worked. Yes. I, I'm glad he's able to speak up that way. Cause I feel that's why I feel like for FE Mance, all, all our locals are, are regulars that are kind of, uh, going through it. It seems like that's where I kind of want to speak up for them because it feels like it's as a fan, it's kind of hard to watch them sit there and take the back seat to these people that don't represent and live or die GCW as I've kind of came to know Mance and Gringo and hell Blake Christian, all these wrestlers to do so only to take a back seat of somebody we haven't seen for nine months and we won't see again for another nine months or a year. So that's where it's been frustrating booking wise, but I'm glad Blake is able to uh, say something that I've been kind of saying on this podcast for a while. And that goes into my next good point, which is another give me this matchup. Yes, yes, yes. Just like it was Mance Warner and Speedball. Gringo Loco against Tony Deppin. Loved it. Good. Solid matchup. Gringo's only getting better. Like, I ever seen him in Ring of Honor, too. Just busting out new moves and getting the time on there has been awesome to see um, him do so. And I enjoyed this matchup. This is give me two regulars fighting for gcw and this is what i got with this matchup and i enjoyed it as well first thing i say here two veterans on the top of the card where they belong gringo loco and tony depp in chance between the fans the entire match the fans were split there were quite a few hardcore depp fans they could be heard in the back somewhere and you guys were heard this was gringo's whole hometown the whole thing told a good story um, our winner here was Tony Deppen. There was an interesting spot where he's like, where does this mess come from? And out comes Swoggle. He tells Deppen to fuck off. Murdoch hits Swoggle from behind. Both start attacking Swoggle. Well, this is where we see Colt Cabana. He comes in to help out Swoggle. Of course, this is Colt Corban Cabana's hometown also. So this kind of made sense. But in a great way, I felt that this was an improvement. It now became a tag team. 
So Tony kind of was fighting to the back-to-back matches. I found that also very interesting. When's the last time we've seen a major show with someone fighting back-to-back that wasn't a tournament? I loved it. I did too. In my book. Yeah, I I loved how like he stayed out there for the next match. I was just like, oh man, he's really coming back from uh this injury and trying to make up some of these matches that he missed out on. Money. <laughs> exactly. That's money. That's two matches, baby. That's double pay. Yeah, I that's what I thought. <laughs> Hopefully, you know. That's what I was thinking too, and I I enjoyed it. Cole Cabana was a shock to me. Uh, uh when he came out, I was like. I wanted to do like I did the boom boom Coke Cabana. I loved it. Like mm-hmm. I was so happy to see him. Um, Swaggle was kind of a shock, but I knew that I know he's got a match. I think with Nick Gage, if I'm not mistaken, coming up here uh, soon. I think it's going to be a death match against Nick Gage. Are you kidding me, Swaggle and Nick Gage? Swaggle. I think we talked about the Swaggle could do death matches, so don't. But don't. but Nick Gage. Nick Gage. I want to see old no. school. Not give a fuck, Nick Gage. I don't want to see Maki death kill Nick Gage. I want to see. Nick fucking Gage. <laughs> like, that's what I want to see. I want to see murder, death, kill Nick Gage, not the mm-hmm. soft, oh, let's all have smiles and stuff. Like, I want to see him just beat the shit out of Swoggle. But I could see Swoggle beat the shit out of Gage, too. Like, I could see, uh, I, actually, that match is going to be as sleeper written all over it to me. But this match, seeing Colcabana in, uh, I was happy. He looks, he's, I love his moveset. It's so simple, but also like so old school and mm-hmm. so like cartoonish, but it, fits and it makes sense when you think about it yeah different like something about it is you know i love it uh i wrote it down here that this was more of a dark match but in a good way because it was so fun and enjoyable i also put here that it was a short comedy match it was creative and it was placed perfectly between two premier matches our winner here was swoggle and colt cabana and this is where I started. I'm loving the booking of this show. I'm loving the pacing. It's getting me back into it. I enjoyed it. As you said, I love the pacing of this comedy match in between two serious good matches. I, I was kind of disappointed Gringo and Tony didn't go a little bit longer, but this now kind of explains why that Tony's going to wrestle another longer one. But um, I, like I said, give me Speedball versus Mance. Give me Gringo versus Tony. Give me the regulars fighting for it. Um. I enjoyed it. And seeing this one here and seeing Vikingo versus Nick Gage, this was another, this one felt like a old school, like just stylistically different matchup that I love with GCW. Nick Gage hit it out of the park again with Vikingo. Um, Brazak made a great call on commentary. And I've made, I've said this every podcast, like seeing Nick Gage having these matchups on this run with the different styles that he's doing has been fucking awesome to see. And I'm glad to see him still performing very, very well. And with Vikingo, I was a little bit scared, but no, he held his own. And Vikingo stepped up too. I loved Vikingo. When, he, when Vikingo caught Nick Gage and like, did you know how he catches him and does like that swing? It's like, like Vikingo blows my mind whenever he's able to catch competitors like that size. And Nick Gage is, size and gringo loco and it just shows the strength of vikingo i love this match this was fantastic uh i just wish i would have saw a little bit more vikingo um throughout this matchup so vikingo was out first surprisingly getting some booze we had so many hardcore nick gage fans that they actually had the guts to boo vikingo i mean almost heresy the fans were pumped for the match they were running up to the ring before the match started. They were beating on it. Powder from the last two matches were flying in the air. 
Emil banged out Vikingo's introduction in Spanish that sounded absolutely wonderful. It was a satisfying main event. Our winner here ended up being El Hijo del Vikingo. And see, this is kind of a matchup where I, I contradict myself, where Blake should not be the main event. This Nick Gage versus Vikingo should be the main event there. Like, those are two marquee names that you put up there that's going to sell tickets. That should be the main event. So this is one I, I agree with the booking of Blake not being in the main event. I'm cool with this. But I also kind of – I'm glad he did the promo. As you said, he could possibly use it as his character of – Hey, Brett, stop doing this shit to me or else I'm not going to defend the belt. And it could lead to something uh, possibly as well with him verbally stating it out loud uh, multiple times now on Fight TV in a promo. It's been I'm interested to see what if it turns into anything. But this was a show that got me back into being happy, being a happy GCW fan. That <laughs> was a lot more. Actually, even the first time I watched it, I was still kind of like a little sour. But when I went back and rewatched it a second time, I was like, yeah, this is what I missed. This is what I loved and love talking about and podcasting for. So uh, Say You Will definitely was a classic card, and I am in, uh, was very happy with the overall uh, feeling of the card. And that will lead us into this last show, which is GCW Crushed Up from the Roulette Intermedium in Brooklyn, New York, another new venue uh, that's not the Melrose Ballroom. So I was kind of interested to see what was allowed here uh, at this venue. But as we quickly found out, not not much different than Melrose. Um, and yeah, I was looking forward to this card and uh, riding the coattails of seeing a good Say You Will. I was happy and heading into this card, and I ended up being more thrilled on this card as well. All right, so I'll go ahead and get some things rolling on this one. There was a beautiful GCW graphic on a big wall in the background. I love it. I hope that is on more shows. The Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn crowd was absolutely awesome. They made noise. They were very vocal, as a New York crowd should. And just mentioning, every now and then when we get the chance, I'm hoping to more, I did a little thing with Twitch where we did a little pre-show. So I try to send out a little something where we can talk about the show an hour or half hour beforehand, and I try to put on a little wrestling to watch in the background. So if you have a chance... If you want to, feel free to come over. I usually take all the videos down because, you know, like I said, it's just us talking right now. I don't want to blow any copyright bullshit up. So I watch a little bit here and there. What I've been getting on and watching right now has been NGI2. And I've also been going through some old CZW. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been switching back and forth. There's been quite a few people coming in and checking it out. So for those people, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you will not find the old recordings up. These are more like just private live little things that we do together, just fans, just for fun. So hopefully we'll be able to do those more if I have time or when we have time. Be something kind of fun to do. I enjoyed it, and it was just fun to talk to some listeners. It's, you know, it's kind of fun getting that love. Yeah, uh, I, w I would like to do that too, as I'd never watch these shows live. <laughs> I always watch it like at 11 o'clock at night or something like that. So uh, yeah, those are fun, though. Special. Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt it was it was like a special thing. I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it. I had a little bit of time. I had my new microphone. I'm like, I'm like, OK, I got to do something. Got to do something. What am I going to do? And I'm like, all right. So I learned a whole bunch of stuff and I set up a whole bunch of stuff. I have a whole bunch of brand new accounts and shit all set up. So 
we'll be growing that a little bit. And it's just another thing for listeners to kind of get together and just do some GCW shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our first matchup GCW crushed up was the four-way tag match as we were talking about the team of Alec Price and Cole Radrick go against the team of Bussy and Los Macisos and Wasted Youth. Um, the big note I wrote here was I think this tag match showcased just how deep the tag division is. Um, I just would like to see a little bit more meaningful kind of matchups in the tag division, a little bit more one-on-one or number one contenders matchups or um, have the wins and losses mean something instead of just putting all these tag teams. I'd like to see them kind of build something because there's at least 10 deep tag teams I could come up with that we've seen GCW now. And um, if not even more, they've all been doing very good and they all connect with their own style and um, their own ring uh, in ring style as well. I think, the tag division is just blossoming in GCW and uh, this tag match. And to me, it just showcased in my eyes, made me think about all the great talent that they have in the tag division. So I'll put here, everyone was having fun. This entire show started so damn hot. There were so many people in the ring. Cole and Price, they have a nice connection. And like I said, they're two of my favorites. So I'm watching really how it's going down and it looks really good. Bussy handled business. Wasted youth is the future. Los Macisos were in there with some right said Fred inspired mesh shirts. They handled business though. Everyone else got their asses kicked by men in mesh shirts. So our winners here was Los Macisos and it doesn't matter what the hell they're wearing. They're still going to kick your ass. I like the little spot too. when they're like, we're kicking everybody in the midsection to kick them out of the ring. And then like, they were the last two in the ring and they turned around and went to go kick each other and caught each other's foot. And then like did the dance around and like you hear everybody go, Hey, 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 I I enjoyed that part. Um, I'm kind of glad to see Los Macisos get the win, too. That was a kind of a shock to me with as much as they've been losing as a tag team lately. Uh, them getting this victory over three tag teams, which was a shock. Our next matchup was Richard Holiday versus Charles Mason. Um, I love the pre-match tease. I was hoping they would kind of call towards something like this. I think both characters and both uh, wrestlers are kind of like perfect for each other. I think I've said it before. I wouldn't mind seeing Richard Holiday joining Team Mason and Pero. I think everything that Mason said beforehand was spot on of what uh, Richard Holiday's character was. He played the character. He was rich and better than you, just like how Mason is. And... um, now, since he's had the cancer and the comebacks from the cancer, he's now playing more of a babyface role. But I very much appreciated Mason teasing the alliance. And then even after the match, I'm kind of hoping that the alliance does kind of go through because Mason, we saw a new version of uh, character Mason. If he struggled with himself of having self-control of not just to choke the shit out of Holiday for refusing his uh, offer, but he showed constraint and he wants to try to convince uh, Richard to show up in, or be on his side. So I just like the whole story aspect of this match. The matchup was good. It was, it was exactly what I thought from both competitors, but I loved the story and the callback. I was really hoping to get this teased and I got everything I wanted in this match. So Mason said him and holiday are rich and different from anyone else, everyone else. And that was his appeal before the match had even started. But once things got down to, you know, fisticuffs here, they had a very, very physical matchup and extremely impressive between both of them. The winner here was Richard Holiday. 
And there was a spot here where Mason goes to shake Holiday's hand, and he seems like a sport. But here comes Pero. So Mason and Pero then ganged up on, on Holiday after the match, and he chokes Holiday out with Pero's chain. Still have hope. I still have hope. Hey, if they could beat up Violento Jack and the next night Violento Jack forgives them and joins Team Freedoms, then I think Holiday could join Team Mason. I, I just think they'd be a great team together. Oh, there's totally a squad there if they wanted to put something together. I, I was excited. When, when Mason started talking in this pre-match, I was like, please don't have this match. Please, Holiday, join. Like, I, I loved the whole booking of this match and what they're doing with Mason's character. I was very much behind this one. Um, yeah. Uh, next, uh, I forgot. I had something in my mind I was going to say. Our next match was Maki Ito versus Killer Kelly. Uh, I thought this was another fun Maki match. Um, Maki continues, like I wrote down, to he, she continues to improve, and the matches, I've been seeing improvement in ring in the match as well, and she's finding her footing and character, and I enjoy it. Um, and Killer Kelly, I think she has a spot in GCW as well. I think she did a very good job with her character and uh, matched during this uh, match with Maki as well. So Kelly came out with her Impact Tag Team Worlds Championship belt. Thought it was fantastic. Um, one Killer Kelly fan really didn't like Maki, and we ended up having people in the crowd chanting, fuck that guy, which was hilarious. Kelly was the more serious one, much more of a wrestling match than I expected went down, and it was very welcome to see. So our winner in this one was Maki Ito, and at the end of the match, there was a close-up of Maki, and I could see she had a Nick Gage bandana on. So she was wearing gang colors the whole time, and I didn't notice till the end. That, that's something I didn't even notice either. Yeah, man. It's funny. Like, just on the, just on the little close-up towards the end when she's leaving after the match, you can see she's got one of his blue bandanas that he wears around his head. Pretty cool. All right. Uh, I don't know why this note is this early. That big note I said I had. Um, I'm going to save it actually till the end of this card because I think it'll fit better in um, then. Okay. I don't know why I have it here right now. Uh, our next <laughs> matchup, I don't know why. That's why I'm like reading. I'm like, uh, that's not the next time. Match. That's where it spilled onto the page. <laughs> right. Uh, our next match is a tag team match as the team of Bang and Matthews go against the now titleless East West Express. And holy shit, these two teams connect with each other. Like they just gel. Uh, it was awesome. The crowd was into it the entire match. Bang and Matthews stepped up. And these two have, like, they wrestled just recently a couple different times, but their chemistry seems very good as well. And I loved this matchup. It was just a great tag team matchup um, with two young tag teams. I'm just happy to see any East West matches that are still left. You know, Wayne's kill it in AEW right now. So you never know again how long that'll last. And let's be honest, from all the blood, I feel like GCW took better care of him than AEW did. Bang and Matthews, um, again, the porn lawyers for hire are out there. Um, Wrestling-wise, this match was more mature than should be expected for their age. The tag team choreography was absolutely wonderful to watch. Our winners in this one was the East-West Express. Again, every single match that East-West can have together is a bonus. Try to enjoy it. This was an enjoyable match where 
like B said, it was very cohesive and they worked very well together. It was a nice flow. Yeah, that, that was like nonstop action. And they had, I, I loved that match. That was a great tag team match. Once again, going off of well, how much depth is in the tag team uh, division in GCW, it's fun to see. Uh, next matchup, Joey Janela versus Alex Coughlin. And I was really looking forward to this match. I did not expect Alex to show up and show out that much. Holy shit, that might have been the best Alex match I've seen. I wrote that was his star-making star moment, in my opinion. Um, he's had quite a bit of them as singles competitors, uh, as a single competitor as of late. But what he's been doing in GCW, I think has, he's been show, his singles, uh, singles talent has been showcased a lot more I think in GCW than it has been in New Japan and I've been enjoying seeing it. So I was uh, happy to see this match with Coglin and Joey and Coglin just nailed it out of the park and Joey made him look like a fucking million bucks as always. And I want to see way more of Alex after this match. First note, Coughlin is so freaking strong. I see why he's in NJPW as the strong champion. Watching Coughlin suplex from a seated position, like you just mentioned, is probably one of the most impressive feats I've seen out of a newer wrestler in a long time. Janela really gave him one hell of a fight, and I found that impressive too. I felt like he was trying out a little bit, just saying. But our winner here was Joey Janela. Joey then gets on a microphone and says that he is going to wrestle until he dies. Wait, that chant was hysterical. Please don't die. Please don't die. <laughs> no, I, think, I don't even think it was please don't die. I was like, don't die. Ch -ch -ch, don't die. I was like, what is this chant? I like it. Well, you know, positive attitude. Um, so he says this is going to possibly happen in Japan, Kurikin Hall. He wants Jun Kasai, and he wants to perform the best death match of all time. And I do not know what that means. But I have a feeling if he's typing it like that, he's going balls out. Has to be. And they are like, I think it was announced. I'm trying to pull it up real fast. It was announced as like the, the greatest death match of all time or something like that. I got to try to figure, find it real I fast. I think that. it was full on announced. Here it goes. The greatest death match of all time. Mm. So kind of like, I... Who knows? Joey's nuts when he wants to get fucking nuts. June Kasai, exactly. like when he said that name, I was like kind of shocked, but I am all for it. I and I'm all for it in time I can see June Kasai anyway, but that I don't know what to expect from that match. Like I am actually gonna kind of be on the edge of my seat that match because Joey's gonna pull out some crazy shit, I think. I I don't know. I just have that memory where he was pulling that skewer that had lemons on it out of his cheek cheeks actually uh yeah so it's it's gonna get crazy stuff like the skewer in the cheeks gives me hope that what we're gonna see is gonna be pretty freaking intense yeah i i'm kind of I'm, concerned about that i'm i'm like excited but also scared exactly i'm excited but also scared because i know joey's going to do some crazy shit i think just to make a point and for him and the way they're oh, announcing yeah. like the way he announced it like that and then the way they announced it on their twitter like the greatest death match of all time that tells me joey's going to do something that uh only joey could do to get the wrestling world talking about him hey fingers crossed we have a banger that's all i care about 
I mean, that's that's a matchup. I'm I'm super excited to watch. I can't. I'm excited as all hell. And then they just announced what Junkasai Tremont for night two of Fight Club two, which mm-hmm. that sounds like a crazy night. I'm throw keep throwing Kasai in all these matches. Let's keep him coming. Wow, Tremont, like wow, that's going to be what a crazy one. Like if you know Tremont, you know Kasai. It's like does it get much crazier? So yeah, it doesn't get much bloodier. That too, yeah. yeah. All right, our next matchup, which was kind of a thrown together match, which I was enjoying for a little bit. Uh, Bobby Flacco goes against Grim Reefer, who also makes their GCW return in New York. And I was glad to see that matchup. It felt just like another old school. Hey, you got the GCW veteran that's a, in their hometown and going against a up-and-coming GCW person that you're starting to use a little bit more on the roster. And I was excited to where this match was kind of going to go. It started off a good moment for Bobby Flacco, and then shit hit the fan. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I was, I'm going to get through these notes, but I know this is the one where you were kind of crawling over yourself, even on Twitter, going, hey, this is exactly what I want to see out of my product would be this veteran with a younger guy coming in and trying to show himself and not show himself, but try to show his best <laughs> and go from there. Um, but it was nice seeing both men. Bobby's kicking ass in his travel vlogs. I don't know if anyone had a chance to talk about it before. Well, hear it, but I talked about it once before. He's traveling all over South America, Central America, and his videos are awesome. And I think he just passed 100,000 views not too long ago. And I mean, he's, he's getting all kinds of views. He's doing some great work out there. So if you ever want to see someone go out there and travel and hardly spend any money, he can show you how to do it. Um, yeah, so back to the match here. It was a very short match, a little over four minutes. Um, there was a little interference in this one. Jacob Fatu comes out. He runs off Bobby and he just starts beating the shit out of Reefer. So this match ended in a no contest and this beatdown happened until we hear a familiar song. Mance Warner's music plays over the loudspeakers and it looks like we now have our next match. I just wish Jacob would have came out like after this match was over and destroyed both of them. I would have liked to see this kind of match get played on, but I don't mind this booking either because it just like, I think Prezak even made a good mention. Like, Hey, Jacob, but tired of fucking waiting. Like he's like, no, I'm out here. This is my match. Let's go get these two out of here. And that makes perfect sense. Like I'm all for that. That's fine. Just, I would have personally liked to see Flacco kind of get that moment to have that match with a uh, grim reefer, but uh Matt Warner versus Jacob Batu delivered it was awesome as only those two can do craziness extremeness all over doors chairs everything it was awesome once again give mance a shot with the fucking belt <laughs> i i'm all for mance with the belt after these performances and uh this match with jacob Fatu was fun and this is going to make me fucking eat my words i said it when they announced when we were bitch when i was bitching about the la show in our last podcast we ain't going to see jacob Fatu in new york Guess what fucking happened? Jacob Batu's in fucking New York. God hey, that damn it. was awesome though. You know, it was awesome what seeing a, this. What a great, what a great way to be wrong. Yeah, I, I'm happy. Exactly. I'm happy I'm wrong because but, you know, it, if you're you gonna have fucking Fatu, yeah. If you're gonna have Fatu beat up Effie and pick up victories over Effie, and, and I say we're not gonna see him for a while, I want to see him on these next shows and continuing the story, continuing the feud. I am all for it. I'm happy. I was happy to see Jacob Batu. 
So the match started outside the ring. There was fighting everywhere. It was a war with weapons. Very brutal. Extremely hard fought. Fatu loves giving GCW veterans, veterans trouble. You know, he did the same thing with Effie. He's always a welcome sight, though. I loved his appearance in LA Live. He really has an aura about him. Our winner in this one was Jacob Fatu. So I don't know when he does, but maybe a championship shot would be kind of cool. He'd be a very interesting champion. I know that's going out there, um, but I'm kind of curious about that. There was also a lot of nice replays between matches in this one. So I just wanted to kind of mention that there was quite a few that happened throughout homecoming weekend up through. And I just realized I needed to mention it over four shows. Fantastic video packages throughout huge upgrade. Yeah. I really like the video packages uh, throughout both shows, uh, throughout all these four shows we've been covering. They did a very good job of getting us hyped and, up to date on what's happening in the next matchup. And I thought the video packages did a very good job of that as well. Um, I guess here was where I'll hop in with my only booking of the night. So bear with me here. Okay. No, all good, man. Let's do all right. I'll, I'll so, listen to you. Do your thing. I'll do this talk. is <laughs> I'll, I'll play. I'll play uh therapist. If I need to. Oh, I don't have money to pay you. I don't have that much nope. money. <laughs> for free bro i'm so happy to be pro bono for free so this is what i kind of would like to see gcw do either the rest of this year or at the beginning of next year leading to a big show at the collective but i would want to i still want to see all these gcw regulars mance effie all these ones we've been saying kind of come together as we kind of see now you're having Cardona come in and ruin GCW. You're having Mason and Perro coming in and ruin GCW. You're having Jacob Fatu coming in and taking over shit. You got Violence is Forever coming in. So you got all, and you got Team Freedoms coming over and taking over shit. So I would like to see kind of Team GCW continue to band together and take out all these outsiders that are coming into GCW and ruining GCW um, while the regulars kind of preserve the gcw style and name and have classic gcw matches with each other while also defending the gcw names against these outsiders uh right now we're seeing gcw fight all freedoms we're fighting off cardona team mason violence is forever i'm just trying to throw in a deathmatch person i wouldn't mind seeing cruel kind of being the deathmatch person to come in and start ruining shit on the deathmatch side but i wouldn't mind seeing them kind of work with all these kind of different names and these other companies. Um, and I think it could kind of culminate at the collective of having uh, at the collective next year at the very latest or new year's Eve. I think you could kind of label it too, but have like GCW kind of start banding together, fighting and preserving what they want and start having like how these two matches, these two cards felt to me uh, having these old school style GCW matches Um and I think it would be kind of cool of having GCW ring, regain control of the company, which then leads to then let's say they fight off and like we got the big feel good moment. GCW fought off freedoms, GCW's together. And then now you have all the regulars now since they fought off, everybody start now infighting. And now you got the Gringo Locals versus Tony Deppins, but start adding in the title shots and have like each wrestler be one month is a champion. Hey, give all your, all your wrestlers, uh, regulars kind of a chance to 
grow the company and like the new version of it. But then also at that time, you could build up the new regulars, the Vikingos, the Bang Bros, the the Alec Prices, the Cole Radricks. Well, he calls them more regular now. But start building up new GCW regulars and kind of creating a new area era kind of way, but that will be over like the next year or two that you're doing it. So I think that's kind of where I would be leading on towards right now with kind of GCW falling apart. As you said, we're losing all our belts, all these different companies. I think this would be a kind of a cool little story of them banding together, taking back with theirs over these next couple months, going through these struggles and then having a big, good feel good moment, but then also start building your new stars while also giving your current stars their chance to shine now and carry the company this in this old school style um, roster, if that makes kind of sense. No, no, actually, it makes perfect sense. Um, I'll go into another talk someday, but I do, um, I do have some curiosities about where GCW will be with their talent a year from now. They're getting picked clean. I was going to say that that obviously changes too. And so, so I have to think about that a lot, but there are some that it seems like they're always clocking in for work at GCW. And, and I agree with you there that if you have people that are always clocking in, making sure you have a good show, we need to start really having matches with those guys more than anything else. And I think they do need to be, at the top of the card like veterans used to always be at the top of the card um there's a lot of stuff I, you know sometimes i think they're like well let's put two veterans at number two or three like they did in this show just to make sure that there's a solid match at number two or three now i think that makes sense too but i think what we're getting at is we miss some of these guys who've been here day in day out that we fell in love with since day one breaking their backs and we just haven't seen that title it seems like all the new toys, like all of Brett's new toys are the one getting played with. While, as you said, hey, I know I have a good matchup and a good toy over here and Tony Deppin and Gringo. Why don't you guys be matched too? Go be solid. I don't have to worry about you. Let me focus on these other toys that I'm playing with. And I kind of feel like that's what I feel watching these regulars that we fell in love with are being kind of off to the side and being kind of not – not being cared for, but like, hey, like I don't have to worry about you. Just do your own thing and just do something here, bro. They're not being – I want them to be the focus of the shows because that's yeah. who what got us into GCW was these people. Where now I don't think they're the focus of the shows, and that's kind of where I'm leaning to where I, I want to go. That's why I love these last two shows, uh, these the four matches, the, just the regulars being the main focal point of having something to wrestle for and stuff. It brought me back into it. I, I think that's where I'm kind of – missing and wanting to see on GCW's more talent that we fell in love with. Start putting those names in prominent places in your company. Yeah. I think that's just well said. Just, you know, make sure that these guys who work their ass off are put in prominent spots so that they could receive the, you know, the respect and they have the respect, but they just receive the platform that they need to do what they need to do. And seeing some of these names that were coming back, like Jacob Batu and Nate Webb, like those are talent we've kind of seen. And I we don't talk about this company much because it's not ours, but like Circle Six. So like maybe there could be something there where, like I said, bring in these talents and kind of like, hey, have Circle Six maybe kind of start disrupting some of the deathmatch shit in GCW to kind of cause like a little friction. 
I, I don't know. I just like I would like to see kind of GCW build back into what it was while also getting their new era, new style, new kind of footing going with the new talent of Gringo or uh, Vikingos and stuff like that. Well, I, I don't have it written down, but I did it one time. Stephen A was asked on Patreon what should change in wrestling. And there were a couple things there that needed to change. And some of them was like, we need to get it out of the gutter and we need to take it a little more seriously. One of the things I wanted to mention, I've never mentioned before, I'd like to see a clean um, apron. and Not a clean apron. I'd like to see a clean canvas. You know, it would be nice. Sometimes they turn on the show and I have someone coming over and they're like, oh my God, look at that canvas. And it, it doesn't look as professional. I don't know. Um, I will say though, that there is one thing that every wrestling company needs and that's some mainstream appeal and, or some, um, some way to get out to a mainstream audience. And, and if it wasn't for someone like John Moxley, I would have never known about GCW, and that's fucking sad. And there's a lot of wrestlers or a lot of fans in AEW and WWF have no idea who we are. And I don't see a problem with Tony Khan, hopefully, maybe just putting our name across his freaking TV once or twice on Ring of Honor, anything. Let us participate somehow. I don't know what that's about, but I noticed that, you know, the fans can, uh, the, the wrestlers come over and whatnot, but we never see our name. See, I think we talked about this when we were doing like our fantasy booking, like how cool it would be of like, yeah, team GCW kind of invading ring of honor. And this is where I think this led to your battle of the Hammerstein kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, if we look at the history of ring of honor, they've done ring of honor versus ZZW BJW stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised knowing Tony Khan and how much he loves the history of wrestling and cool shit like that. I wouldn't put it out of the question of him maybe working with GCW and some of these other bigger independent companies that have a pretty big name and, and doing some stuff with them and ring of honor because I mean, he likes doing cool shit like that, and that would be a cool way to kind of help renew Ring of Honor with reinvigorate it with some cool little uh, invasion angle coming from an outside independent talent scene. How many wrestlers can you name that's a normal who doesn't have a contract anywhere else? Effie? What, Allie, I think, doesn't have a contract full with anyone, does she? Not with MLW. No. Okay. Alec. Uh, Alec Price. Cole Tremont. Uh, Jordan. It's not easy, is it? Uh-huh. It's dude, we know our shit and we're like, uh Well, I was like, oh, maybe I'm confused. Like uh, that's why I'm kinda like stuck. Like, what do you mean? So I just name talent that's MLW, not W impact, you know, like g uh aew roh like find find ones that aren't working in the majors somewhere okay yeah so those are yeah the fives uh alec price cole um yeah so I, I guess what you're saying invest in, and maybe it's time to invest in some good uh good ring mats and maybe up our uh up our production value a little bit on that side to make it look more like something because from the looks of it, presentation is the only thing we're missing from all these stars making us tons of money. And the only other thing is getting uh, mainstream eyeballs towards us. 
those two things right there, I mean, for Christ's sake, make it look more professional and jump onto places like TikTok and other places and you need to start getting some things out there. If you do those two things, guaranteed you'll see a growth of at least 10 to 15% in, uh, in ticket sales in, by the end of the next year. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, I think it'd be cool to see GCW versus Defy, GCW versus Wrestling Revolver, GCW versus this company. That it's, it's, I mean, we're in Alabama all the time. It'd be cool to get to more of the larger independent companies. Okay. We, we don't have to always mess with a company who we don't know any of them or only know one. It is nice to go to somewhere like Defy, where maybe both companies could chip in for a nice, uh, a nice venue. And then maybe look at the possibility. Uh, I, you know, I want to see that show in the, was the Artemis Hall, I think it's called, wherever uh -huh. the has a show. I like their venue. That's a good Any, venue for that anytime, show. Anytime, guys. Anytime. I mean, let's stop pissing around with these smaller companies and let's start talking about some of these larger companies. Why not? I mean, is this an IWTV thing, maybe? I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out because I was that's, you, like, that's what I was telling you before. I think that's what kind of threw the collective into a big kind of tizzy this year's once they left IWTV. They can't really work with those companies and put on a GCW show because they're not going to be putting it on IWTV. So I think that's what kind of uh, kind of let us use in DDT and stuff like that because we could use they're not on like the company that we just left. <laughs> I don't know. I just more could be done. More could be done. House of Glory. Like, yeah, House of Glory, I still would like to see. Because <laughs> there's so much crossover there. Well, what I'm saying is, is if it's trying to get more eyeballs on the independents, it's trying to get more this, more that, well, then what's wrong with having a nice, big, independent show? Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, let's have an East versus West. Wouldn't that right? be fun? Yeah, we go I, to their side, and then what one show they come to our side, and we have a whole fucking thing going on. And we don't have to cart people halfway across the world to do it. Yeah, that's true. And the American people that are not huge nerd wrestling fans might know the names. I'm a big thing. I, I'm, I'm really big on that. I really think it's more about mainstream just a little bit now. I'm watching the fans. I'm looking at everything. I'm like, we need some more youth at these shows. I see that sometimes people are just kind of sitting on their hands. I wonder if that's age-related because there's definitely enough stuff going on in the ring. So I don't know. I just like to see more people know who Effie is and more people know who some of these stars are that we have because all these stars that we had are all over the TV in a hundred different places. And I feel like GCW has not gotten bigger or a bigger fan base. Maybe they have, but AC don't look as filled. Well, not best day to say that, but it just doesn't seem like the same crowded AC as it used to be. It looks like it's a little it, smaller. And that's why I was kind of frustrated with the whole homecoming thing. Like they didn't feel like homecoming, like homecoming was the Cardona versus gauge. Like that's what I always just envision homecoming as the biggest show of the year with the craziest storylines going on. And that was kind of took a back seat this year to freedoms and whatever was happening over there, what that had nothing to do with the storylines that we were building here that kind of got taken to the wayside, but um, that's neither here nor there no more. And I'll paraphrase 30 to 35 minutes of me breaking down on, uh, on recording. I personally, just me, 
I'm not a big fan of all the Japanese talent, only a few of them. So there, that's me paraphrasing. There's quite a few that I've, I'm not connecting with. So I'm really happy to get back to a card with like people I know. Yep. The people that we fell in love with when we first fell in love with GCW. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. And the other thing, the only last other thing is when you're getting talent from places like Japan, you're catering to the very smallest of the very small of an already small fan base in a small uh, art form. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sure. A niche of, of a niche of a niche. It's just, um, I know it's pleasing some people. Like to go to Japan obviously pleases the company and the wrestlers because, of course, they're getting some notches in their belt. But um, I guess I'm not paraphrasing. I just, uh, no, no, you know what I mean. Um, I try to cut it down a little bit, but I was looking at the shows in Japan and the, the arena that they have there, the Shinkiba Arena, I think it is, is kind of boring. And they have like a runway, it looks like, for the guys to come out. And the fans aren't very excited. They are like looking at them like show horses, like walking out. They take pictures and clap. Some people don't even clap. They're not excited. The shows half the time don't have commentary. There's really no blood. So it's all kind of so-so. And then on top of that, it's on tape delay. So barely commentary. It's all tape delay. So, I mean, that's really for the hardcore fans, maybe like us and whatnot. But in the long run, I don't know if that's gaining you any fans at maybe maybe some Japanese fans, but there's not a lot of them. It's a small island nation. So we do a lot of romanticizing at the nerd level of how awesome it is in Japan. Maybe it's just because it's halfway across the world, number one. And number two, the other part of it is, is they take their art seriously. And I appreciate that. But, you know, the average Japanese fan does spend more money than the average American wrestling fan, but there's a lot less of them. So I do like that they put a foothold here. I do like that they're going to England and they're going to Germany. I hope they maybe find some talent over there. I'm just hoping they don't dump the entire company on an airplane and then flood our shows half full of talent that we, I don't want to see. Just like make me smile don't make me go okay who's this guy don't care who's this lady uh, okay gave her eight fucking matches still don't care so i just i just wanted to say it out loud if this was coming from germany and it was all wxw i'd be like okay um i only connect with three or four wxw people we don't need the other 12 coming over you know pay a nice premium for the three or four and save the money on the other eight you don't need to pay them to come here you know, I was looking at the whole situation situation with Sasaki. He came out. He's a big deal. He's the owner of Freedoms. He came out here to fight Rena. No one knew who the hell he was. The crowd had no idea. This is what's going on. Premium bucks to make someone happy. But, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm not into it. But I just wanted to kind of paraphrase that a little bit. Nothing against all those workers and nothing against GCW. Nothing against the decisions to it. I professionally i understand 100 percent why they're doing it and i appreciate it they're casting their net further into the world and nothing against that whatsoever but i don't know if this is doing anything for american fans at all and i don't think it's brought more money in 
And what we did on this homecoming card was give a lot of slots to people who's never drawn money in America, why people like Hoodfoot and Cruel are without a job, real job, without a real job, looking to try to, place to try to find a place to wrestle, who's obviously sold more American tickets than any of the talent outside of June Kasai. So we should have probably had them on. Save the fucking plane ticket halfway across the world. Give me just a couple of the people that I like and, and cut the fat. They cut the shit. Somebody comes over. He's 56 years old. He wants to deathmatch a GCW. Fuck you. <laughs> you're the owner. You're only getting in the ring on match eight or seven because you're the owner of the company. Otherwise, who gives a shit? Nobody in the crowd gave a shit. And these are hardcore GCW fans. I don't want to say nobody, but a large crowd, if you go back and look, could get the front row could give a shit less. And the hardcore fans sit in the front row too. So um, I'm just saying after a while now that some of them, I mean, we've seen them enough. I would say this about any other wrestlers. If they came in a batch like this, we've seen enough of them. Per, I've seen enough of them personally where I've made my opinions. There's about three or four tops I would ever want to see again. And that's just that. And again, I'd like to know how that helps with mainstream appeal in America because the American market is what you want to tap into. That's the major international market. Japan knows that. Australia knows that. And so does all of Europe. This is where you want to make it. Yeah, and that kind of goes into, too, why we covered these four shows. We didn't even cover uh, the Australian shows. We we didn't really connect with any of the wrestlers over there and nothing felt like anything nope. special just felt like cards over there so uh the reason why that's why we're not covering those shows um the big and thing that stuck out commentary also yeah they did. who our top wrestlers were yeah gringo versus vikingo was the highlight of that trip and that was uh to be honest pretty yeah. much it, in my opinion so that's why we didn't cover those shows uh all right let's head back to crushed up so yes, we can yes, uh, yes. get this over with <laughs> no that's good we got out we, we this is pretty much what we said on the last podcast that never yep. came out and uh i see that your yellow box wasn't going yellow there so you might have gotten lucky and uh <laughs> your rant might have not got caught but uh yeah no i just oh, well. i i thought it was right to say because yeah. when i'm looking at this in, in all in all freedoms is getting more out of this than we are we're not really doing more than what one major major show with them in japan they're coming over here. They're getting our WrestleMania. Then, you know, they're getting Art of War. We're going to feature them in that. And then they've had the last two um, Planet Deaths. I mean, we're handing them hand over fist absolutely everything we have, including our market, our fan base, which is much larger. You know, the second largest show of the year for Freedoms was the GCW show at 612. The average fan base or the average crowd amount at a Freedom show is 388. So this is not a large company and they're gaining a lot from us. They really are. So I also wanted to mention that was that, you know, this company over there is, has mediocre success for a reason. Then we're going to bring them over here and you know have them bust shit in their face and over here i'm 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 okay with watching hoodfoot and i'm okay with watching uh sam stackhouse i'm more interested in those performers honestly and that's just my personal opinion <laughs> that sounds good no that's what uh 
I we we yeah we talked about that before, so we kind of agree on that same part. I think that's what kind of hurt homecoming a little bit for both of us. But uh, we covered it. We're going through it, and uh, we're moving on. And we're moving on into the eighth match of GCW Crushed Up, which was Blake Christian teaming with Cardona and Steph Delander going against the team of Akira, Masha Slamovich, and a mystery third partner, which I'm glad it was who they picked. And I'm glad that this person was picked because of the history that they have with Steph uh, Cardona and Blake. And uh, this match ended up turning into a fun matchup uh, and I was surprised at the ending, to be honest. Okay, I'm trying to figure out where to start. One thing I will say here is Steph Delander still needs to be the female Haas. If they would book her properly, she would not only be full of attitude, but she'd be able to back it up. That would make for a very, very deadly Sherry Martell. Um, no one is getting heat in GCW like Cardona. He has great humor. He is against Masha tonight and the two other guys. He says, Akira's Masha's boyfriend. Who the fuck is Akira? Who rides their wife's coattails? Unrelated, I'd like to give a shout out to Chelsea Green. I wish her luck on SmackDown. That, that was good. Jimmy Lloyd ended up being the surprise partner here. Blake was a perfect partner with Cardona. He's so evil that any partner who's nice, kind of gives him a little bit of a compliment, takes some of the asshole bitter part of the edge off so that what he does as a heel is a little bit more palatable. You matched up with his physical abilities and you end up seeing something that's very deadly without all the bullshit ah, with his tongue and shit, you know, pointing at himself. You don't have to deal with that. And then you don't have to deal with any type of promo work because Cardona does that for him. It's fantastic. He could be, you know, the third person in that group, and I'm totally for it. And I liked how they called into the history of when Blake and Cardona wrestled. That's when Blake in Vegas, that's where uh, Cardona tore his bicep. So they had history uh, before Blake even went full on heel, too. So I, I liked how they do the callbacks with that, uh, the history of what's going on there. And uh, Jimmy Lloyd being the partner, I enjoyed because of everything that he did during the wedding of Cardona and Chelsea Green last year. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny with losing the ring. Um, as well but masha picking up the victory and choking out blake out of all the ways to get the victory was kind of shocking to me i would i kind of hope they don't go back to this again i i think masha and blake need to be done with each other i think blake needs to actually find a another person to feud over the belt with um i'm hoping that gets established soon but it doesn't look like it and we'll see what happens with uh Blake moving forward and with Deathmatch Royalty moving forward as well because they seem to be now out of a storyline as well. So I'm just going to mention here that our winners were Masha Slamovich, Akira, and Jimmy Lloyd. I think I probably forgot that part, but again, it's three weeks. We're out of practice. We're coming back to it. A beautiful video package was then shown for the Art of War Games, which is, again, October 7th. So really looking forward to that. And I think that was that our last. Yeah, that's our up to our main event, man. We we pounded out 37 out of 38 matches so far. One more to go. And it is a good one, at least as it is. This one was a non-title match. I remember specifically hearing that one uh, from I think it was Veda Scott that said it. But Rina Yamashita 
goes against Speedball Mike Bailey. Once again, everything that I've been asking for in these matches, craziness, Speedball, Rena, on top of their game. I wouldn't mind seeing them feud. They've had some crazy fun matches as of late as well. And um, I would like to see Speedball keep going against Rena. And Speedball just in when he's a heel is awesome to see. And I think Veda did a great job on commentary. Uh, laying the groundwork for Mike Bailey's heel work uh, throughout this match as well. But this no com- no complaints. Great main event. Loved it. Set the fans home happy. And I I was very happy watching this matchup. A brutal, rough main event. Rena brought the weapons. Bailey brought the freaking wrestling ability. Both played to their strengths. This match was basically telling me a lot about what Rena can handle. She's absolutely fantastic in the ring, by the way. It's nice that we have a deathmatch champion that is more than just a deathmatch wrestler. Um, Bailey brought the flash in this one. He is one of my GCW top 10. No bad matches whatsoever. And I think that's something maybe we need to talk about down the road. I don't know if we need to rank them. But if there was a top 10 and I needed to build a base deck of cards there, that's funny. I was looking at cards. So. Um, if I need to build a base deck of cards, I would say that Mike Bailey would be one that I would want to keep in the deck for sure, because no matter where I put him, it's going to be quality. Um, fans were split. There were no complaints, period. Great story told. Our winner was Rena Yamashita. It was a well-earned main event. The fans really ate it up. If you were there for a legit match with real wrestling that had hardcore elements, this was definitely it. Yeah, this was a great main event. This was this match was everything I expected. I expected all the craziness, and they delivered. I I agree with you. Speedball has not had a bad match. I I've never seen Speedball have a bad match where I left like, what the hell? Like that was not his. Like in Rena, as of late as well, it's been right up there with having all the different kind of stylistic crazy matchups as um as well as of late. And I thought this was fantastic. Great way to end the show. I am back on my GCW fandom after these last two shows. Homecoming kind of knocked a, knocked a lot of it out of it. I'll be honest, um, but these last two shows and have delivered, and I am excited. And I'm actually really excited, looking forward to what's happening in LA. I just kind of hope we don't get a jet lagged group of talent coming back well, from Tokyo. We will, we will. Here's here's the thing. I mean, let's be honest. It's um, well, it's going to be the twelfth because it's October fourteenth for our show. Does that sound right? Yeah, fourteenth. Yeah, two days before that, which is really going to be three because they're a day ahead in Japan. Um, they're going to be doing death matches like crazy and all this other crazy stuff. So we may end up with a little bit of a jet lagged group. Maybe. And the only reason I say that is, is because we still have violences forever. Uh, Radrick and I think a whole host of other people that didn't go to Japan this time. So I think we're going to be really relying on those folks, which, you know, I'm pretty sure we're not seeing Janela. <laughs> you know, whatever he's going to do to his body over there is probably not going to be healed by by LA. So, yeah, we're going to have some jet lag people, unfortunately. So hopefully they get a day or two to just sleep. Hopefully. Yeah, that's that's my only concern with LA shows. Uh, it's coming right back after Tokyo's uh, Japan shows in a quick matter of time. Um, they will take care of us, though. You know how that goes. They always deliver. 
Yeah, I, I'm excited. I Violence of Forever was a nice uh, addition there. I'm excited to what this LA show is going to be. Um, I see blood on the hills. I hopefully see lots of blood on those hills that night. Um, yeah. But it, I'm excited. It's looking for like I said. I I wasn't happy with Homecoming, but these last shows brought me back in. Got my got my juices flowing. Got me going. I, I'll say it. I don't care. Like I I hated Homecoming weekend. I, I like if we were that podcast is sitting on there to release one day. Maybe when we have a Patreon, well, that'll be our first unreleased podcast that we let go. If people could somehow try <laughs> to figure out podcast, yeah, like the day uh, we throw fire. It was yeah, we were what, what was an hour. We were just in match of wonder, bitch. <laughs> wonder, but it was yeah, it was very involved. But I mean, we were covering every single thing. We were covering from period, a good place too. Was, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's just we were like, okay, I've watched this for hundreds of hours. Here's some things I have to say about it that maybe I don't always say, but it's worth saying once after a year plus of recording, you know? And I think that was worth maybe one the, day. And it disappointed me too because it's homecoming. Like, out of all that, like, let this, let, let this bit of show in New South. Like, I don't, I wouldn't care then. I, I don't care, but it was fucking homecoming. Like, I was so excited for WrestleMania homecoming, GCW, and, that's what I got. And I just like in ring was awesome. Just everything else was bad. But uh, these last two shows definitely have very much cohesiveness. It makes sense. I hope it leads towards something. I'm not pre-booking anything for the time being because I've just wasted my own time and energy at that point. But I really do hope and excited to see what's happening because uh, these last two shows got me back into it and I'm excited to see what's happening. So, so let's be fair because it's always good to do. If you didn't like Homecoming Weekend, what would you have changed or what would have been done to make it what you feel would be a better show? Because we're really working it with what you're, because you're, you know, you're not thrilled with. What, what would you do to change it to make it more um, a bigger show in your eyes? You know what I mean? Like, what, were you, what would you do differently? All the booking, I I was not happy with the booking. Like you had a lot of stuff. There was like you only had four big storylines really going into there. Um, all four got demolished two weeks prior or the week prior in LA because all those people lost. So all the momentum was done. So even going into the LA shows, I would have booked the people that I have that I'm building these two shows around these storyline. I would have booked it better, made them stronger, and place them better on the match card on homecoming weekend to have a better flow of matches and have it like Tremont Violento Jack. Cool. Where was the fucking buildup? I never heard those two names in a sentence, but yet that's main event in night two on homecoming, which is they want to sit there and say it's one of their biggest weekends of the year, but you just gave us a main event to send everyone home. But then from that weekend with a match that had zero build and then ultimately made no sense for Violento Jack, who got kicked out of the group one day and the next day is back in the group. I hated that. That was lazy booking in my in my opinion. I was lazy. I would have just – I would have had a better – I would have booked the buildup a little bit better in my opinion. I, I would have – emphasize stuff i wouldn't have booked it better i would i would have put more emphasis on other things booking than kind of what happened and when it was laid out in front of me that weekend okay so we got that um i think you were saying i well i'm going off of yours there was a couple things where we both agreed like the cardona thing we would have loved to have seen that go last yes but, but creatively that's the way they wanted it so that's the way they wanted to express it 
Yeah, and I like I don't. That's like your biggest story, and that's the opener. It's like, but then your opener is with Ric Flair and Fujimoto, yeah. like Hogan. like a New Japan name. Like, like the, I I just hated there was no build. Like, whatever the build was going into like L.A. Weekend and Homecoming, there was set. There seemed to be big ideas and big plans, and then L.A. just they shit all over those plans. In my opinion, with having Effie lose and taking the wind out of them, having Joy. Joy wreck, Joey and Sawyer lose. Took it like it was a big blow, I think. And then Mance Warner be getting beat up by Fatu before that. I, I, I'm happy Fatu showed up in New York. I ate it. That makes sense now. It seems like there is a plan in place there, and I'm seeing it happen. So I have, I have taken a step back, and I get it. And like so I, I was so mad at the Cardona thing, but once you told me, hey, Cardona was the one that kind of said maybe he wants to go first. Okay, then. I, it doesn't matter what I say. Then if the talent wants to go first, then so be it. I don't. I'm. I don't care. Then I took literally every like right when he said that. I'm like, okay, I was wrong. Then talent wants to go first. Let him go first. They know more than better when I do. It just I didn't make sense if Brett was the one that did it, and there didn't seem to be any reasoning behind it. That's all. Yeah, but, Brett said that he did question him on it, and he's like, "Are you sure this is what you want to do?" And they only had so much time, I guess, to even rehearse that whole thing. They were down to like five to 10 minutes before the show went on. They were still rehearsing how they were going to do that. I think that's a cool idea to start the show to get the buzz, the Twitter buzz and the social media buzz. Like you you start the show off that way. Now you got the buzz all the rest of the night of, hey, what the hell is going on over at GCW? This is match one and they're coming out ghost. Like there you set the 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 trend for the night. And like I said, like talking it out now, like I was wrong in my thinking of the, the, those nights. And that's why I'm kind of glad we didn't put out that podcast. But in yeah, my opinion, it's yeah, in my opinion, that was what was going on. And that's why I, I, like I said, I was not happy watching those shows and I did not want to cover it. And when we recovered it, I, it showed and it wasn't happy, but kind of the last two shows, like I said, honestly, the last two shows, got me excited to back into GCW wrestling to seeing maybe I could get more Mance versus Gringo matchups, Tony versus, uh, the, the, I just want to see those matchups. So, so I'm wondering now if this is pointing towards more Fatu and GCW. And I think that's a good thing too. And if he stays, I'm for it. Wow, I didn't want to, I didn't want to see him. Hey, come back after 11 months and you're working with our rival company that you're getting booked on over there, but you're choosing not to take bookings over here with us. And all of a sudden you get to come back after 11 months. We don't see you. You fucking beat up Effie. Who's one of our main guys for no reason at all, for no sense. And that's going into the week. And now Effie's got a loss going into homecoming. Why would we build up the storyline? And then you're just going to have Effie lose. Well, why, who's going to get excited for that? We're not, going to see Fatu for another 11 months because we haven't seen him for 11. We've never seen him work in GCW outside of LA or San Francisco. So we know we're, I assumed we weren't going to see Fatu again. And that's where my mind, I was right all the way up into my thinking. Then we see Fatu show up in New York. We see the storyline getting furthered and that's where I become wrong and I'm glad to see Fatu because I think they could do some very cool things with him in GCW. Just we weren't seeing him often other than LA. Like that was my big thing with him and Starboy Charlie. Cool. You have a two year long feud that you've wrestled three matches with that you've carried this on because we don't see you Jacob Batu anywhere else other than California. I hated that. This wasn't continued in Alabama, in New York, in South Dakota, wherever they're like, I wanted to see this being progressed. Not once every four months on the West coast. So if this mm-hmm. is means I get to see Fatu more often and I get yep. to see this story progress week in week out, 
Give me that shit all day long. I'm all for it. And I made a specific point on that LA show. This had nothing to do with Fatu. Do, take your Circle Six bookings. Make your money. GCW calls. So you show up and to beat up Effie, collect your paycheck and leave and not see you for a few months again. Go ahead and do that. I don't care. Make your money. I'm not mad at Fatu for doing what he did. I didn't understand the booking that Brett did of making him look so strong and making Effie look so weak before our quote-unquote homecoming. That was mm. my big uh, that was the argument. Point. Yeah. And it wasn't just the Fatu, like he was one of them. It was John Wayne Murdoch and the Rejects picking up a victory over Joey, Joey and Sawyer. Like that made no sense to me. And then having Fatu beat up Mance Warner and I would beat up FBN Mance. It just, I, 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 in my opinion at that time, and, yeah, and I didn't give it up time. And the timing is now making me uh, eat my words that hopefully I did ever release on that podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, currently at this time, Fatu's technically an outsider he's been more into the company before so maybe mm-hmm. just maybe he's coming back i i'm not gonna go too far but i do feel there are a couple companies in the deathmatch realm that are close to their last leg or only a few major mishaps from not being around and all that talent will have to go get released and work somewhere it's seeing them showing popping back up randomly in GCW all of a sudden. It's kind of like a, hey, what's I'm going not- on? Yeah, I, I, like what's going on over there? Like why are you popping back up over here out of nowhere? So uh, I don't know. That's why I was kind of going with the whole like if they wanted to do an invasion angle, they could get those Circle Sixes and other companies if they wanted to uh, to do something. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm in a way better mental, happier place with GCW <laughs> after after these last few shows than I was a month ago or however long ago it was with Homecoming because I just wasn't too happy with that. And that it's just it's just wrestling. Like it just I disagreed with it's it. Doesn't mean that they did anything wrong. They they can't be doing too much wrong if there's going to Germany and all over the place, all over the world. So my opinion obviously doesn't matter. It was just how I was feeling covering watching the shows and how it was going to be covering the shows. It just wasn't somewhere that I wanted to be, but we also needed to, we are always honest on this podcast, whether it be positive yeah. or negative. So uh, and that's something I will always be as honest. And I didn't want to sit there and sugarcoat something that we didn't like. So I think what we did was good. We hit the spots. We talked about yeah. the goodness about it. We talked about what we disagreed with and moved on. And I think that's what maybe we should have done in the first place, but we're yeah. learning and we're growing here too as podcasting. So uh, now we know what to do next time we have a show that we uh, aren't too thrilled to cover. We just keep it short and sweet and simple. Well, yeah, it's just, and a lot of people don't think about this, but when you go to open up and do some type of a podcast, you do have to think about what kind of a, what kind of an approach you're going to take. Are you going to be a dirt sheet type? Are you going to be the type that sits around and, you know, cusses about shit all day long and not really says you not really say too much you know are you going to be analytical are you going to be someone who stays away from conflict are you going to be someone who likes to talk about these things and you know are you overtly opinionated is it something you don't want to do you know we kind of we went the route where we were going to focus more on the positive you know you never hear us say the word botch and you probably won't ever hear us say the word botch we don't believe in it we understand exactly what 
a mistake is wrestlers make mistakes. Sorry. Like that's going to happen. That's why I, like these by King go quote unquote botches. Sorry. He's doing shit that no one else is doing. And if he can't do it, then that shows you how hard it is. And whatever he is connecting with shows you how special he really is. So that's why I try to focus on the special and the positives other than the one move that it's just like, it's, it's like baseball, like physical airs happen. Like mental errors is where like, yeah. yeah, you could talk about those, but physical errors are going to happen in sports, wrestling in general. It's just how you react, especially in wrestling. It's a live entertainment art form. It's how you react afterwards. You can play it off and be just fine, but I will never say anything about a wrestler botching stuff because they're doing stuff in there that we could only hope for. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think about that a lot too, but you know I mean? It's like just because their foot is off uh, an inch to the left, they slip a little bit. Well, that's not really a botch. Number one, that's just someone's foot's off to the left a little bit. And, you know, you, <laughs> a lot of the people who use the word botch are the type of people who never use, never could do the moves that those people do. That includes me and probably pull, pull, you know, a calf string, just taking a shit. So, you know, I look at it that way. So it's not really a botch. It's an athlete out there who has their foot a little off to one side. He usually gets his footing and does it. You know, I would like to see someone else have the balls to go out there in front of thousands of people and do what they do and not feel sorely embarrassed when you, they do the same thing and they have a little mistake. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we did what we did. We all caught up. We covered the stuff we were too excited to cover. We covered the stuff that we fell behind and we were excited to cover. I think we did a good job. And I think, as you said, we're probably after this catch up episode, we're probably, even this is going to be close to two hours or over two hours. So uh, we'll be back to our normal kind of format on the next couple shows. They'll may have to combine a couple together. So that way we're not doing three separate three hour podcasts, but maybe combining a whole weekend of shows into one three hour podcast. And, uh, Spending more time as we as we were kind of discussed talking about uh weekly. Just do something yeah. like just take the shows that happen. If it's one, if it's two, we just cover it that week. Yep. It just makes more sense only because I think I banged out before. It's almost 18 to 20 hours a week to do two shows for us for our for our notes and for all of our editing. And so yeah, we figured we'll sit down. We'll try to make sure that we have everything together and we'll just try to make it more quality. So less quantity, unfortunately, but more quality in that end. So we also want to make sure that we have time to do all this. So that helps us to have more time if we have the one weekly. Yes. All uh, right. So that will be it for Homecoming Night 1, Night 2, Say You Will and Crushed Up. <laughs> And JCW, and, and JCWS. Uh, I, I probably will. I want to go back and watch that piece. Thing. Like, I haven't like sat down and watched it, but I want to watch it and see if uh, maybe we could talk about that one, throw that in there real fast, like how we did JCW. Um, and this one on the next uh, episode, maybe even just kind of talk about the cool stuff that Epi's been doing over there. Cause I, I saw a lot of cool clips, a lot of fun, like it looked like a fun and entertaining card. Like I didn't see like really in ring work and work rate and all that stuff, but that's I'm now go to the Epi's and watch Epi's show for that. I watched it cause like it just feel good. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's supporting and positive. And then you got the crazy entertainment that's happening in the ring. Uh, I'm all for watching that. So I will have to go back and rewatch the rest of what I did not watch to kind of see what Effie's show turned into. Uh, Effie's show was good. It was decent. It was really cool to see Baby Bop. 
Ah, oh, see, I, I, I saw the spoiler. It was a Jimmy, right? Yeah. Okay. Jimmy ended up. That was like the one spoiler. I was like, oh, I wonder who beat Bob in this. I saw it. I'm like, no. Uh, yeah, but I think we did a good job of covering it. And uh, thank you, fans, for being patient. We know this break hasn't been probably the best for you. Hasn't been the best for us either. We've uh, God, no. had not not only not just getting the energy and to come up and talk about stuff we didn't want to talk about, but we also had life going on with sicknesses and, as you said, your house fire and all that stuff. So, uh, forgive me. <laughs> yes, forgive us. Hopefully, uh, we'll get back on a normal schedule here and uh, get back all caught up. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to try to do, or I'm going to at least try to make sure we do some more. Well, because like I said, we don't know who's watching live or not, but I want to do some more pre-shows. I really do like it. If I have the time and I'm around, I'm going to try to go live some more just so, like I said, some fans can kind of talk to each other and we can get hype about what's coming up. So there yes. we go. All right. Let's send them out of here. It's been a while. Let's see, I forgot the let's initial. See if we still, yeah. Let's see if we still got it. All right, here we go. Long, Long live, live G, G. Oh, shit. There it C, C, W. w.